Hello and welcome to the Ten Pence Arcade Podcast. We are back. Hello. There he is. There he is. Our Sean. <laughs> You're right. I'm not bad, mate. I'm not bad. Why don't you tell people what's been going on? Yeah, if you haven't been following on social media or Twitter or Facebook or whatever, my mum passed away on the 6th of February just before we was going to record the, the podcast. And it's been three weeks for the funeral. So it's been a really tough time for me and I'm, I'm getting over it now. So the funeral's over. I mm-hmm. did quite a fun, I did quite a funny speech actually at the funeral too because that's the person she was. Yeah. And it sort of, sort of made people smile and giggle a bit and I thought that was cool. And yeah, it's took a long time to get back to a point where I can talk without bursting into tears, Vic. So I should be all right. It's not surprising right. though, is it? You need you need yeah. to take some time out when something like this happens. Obviously. Yeah. Of course you do. Yeah. And thank you to everybody for the messages of condolence. It's like literally 200 wow Honestly, it's, been, it's been brilliant thank you very much to everybody yeah i'd like to thank listeners and friends as well because they've been saying things like that you know hope sean's okay and i've actually had some private messages saying is sean all right and i said yeah yeah i think he's okay you know mm-hmm. so yeah as well as them tell it, telling you publicly they've been telling me privately as well i was just a bit worried about you and stuff but yeah hopefully you're gonna be okay mate yes thank yes. you yeah should be should be it's part of life isn't it of course it is. Yeah, unfortunately we'll, we'll, so. We all we all deal with it at points in our time in our lives. Yeah, we'll miss her, but she'll be remembered. Of course. Right, on to brighter things. Yes. To take my mind off of everything. Yeah. Apart from working like a nutter. I've been playing more of Borderlands too. I've done I've done like ninety nine percent of the main thing. I'm on all the DLC now, so that's a nice kind of distraction, you know, you're just shooting stuff in face. Shooting skeletal pirates in the head. Do you know what? I know you play Borderlands. I have never played it, and I don't know what it is. I have no idea. And this is number two. Is there more than two of them? Three's just come out. It's a first-person right. shooter with RPG overtones. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's like a role-playing game, but in first first person, you can level up certain parts of your stats and your guns and all that. Like, yeah, and and it's full of humour, and the backdrops are great, and and you can shoot people in face. It right in face in shins and all. Yeah. Well, talk, let's, let's get the modern stuff out of the way because we obviously do. We sort of sort of play modern stuff. I only play Switch. It's the only um, the modern thing I've got. And over, well, I got it for Christmas. I got I got Luigi's Mansion Three for Christmas. I loved Luigi's Mansion on the GameCube. I didn't really play much of it on the 3DS Number Two, which came out on on mm-hmm. that one. And I, I have got it. But I need to play it. I'm playing Luigi's Mansion Three, and I've completed it now. And at the very end, I completed it. And at the end bit, I almost did a full-on rage quit. Rage quit and almost <laughs> deleted it. Because at the end, there's you have a big battle with Big Boo, who's the big ghost. I think everyone who knows the Mario characters and the Luigi characters knows Big Boo's a big ghost. And you have a quick fight with him, and you beat him up, and then he splits into two. And it's a it's a standard trope with Nintendo stuff. And you, you beat him up again, and it's a bit harder. And you think, oh, yeah, that's got to be it. Guess what happens? Four. Three. Splits into three. And it just goes insane. Oh. And I couldn't do it for ages and ages and ages. And in the end, I actually did it. And I thought, oh, thank God for that. And because I hadn't got every single thing, like every gem and all this sort of uncovered bits of secrets and that through the game... At the very end, you have sort of the, the, the end credits, this lovely little pictures going on. It's really nice at the end. And it said, rank B. I was like... <laughs> <laughs> and 
And the thing is, I would have gone back and got all the bits to complete the game with a rank A, because I like to complete games like this, you know, to find stuff. But the thing is, if you did that, the last save point was before the boo fight. So you'd have to do the boo fight again. I just went, nope, took it out, and I'm never going to play it again. That will do me. Rank B is fine. I'm happy with that. But it was a very, that very, was- very good game to play. It was a lot of fun playing it. It was delightful, actually. Mm, so, very nice. in my Switch now is another game I bought myself after Christmas time with some Christmas money. I bought the Spyro Trilogy collection, the revamped original three Spyro games. And I've been playing that. I've got to like the third sort of set of levels, third world if you want to call it. And I'm beginning to realise I didn't like Spyro as much as I thought. And it's getting a bit tedious already. I was like, oh, for God's oh, sake. God. It's that thing, right? You know what I'm like? If I buy a platform, say a platform adventure like Spyro, I want to play platform adventures. I want to run around, I want to find someone, get gems, bonk things on the head, fire things, float about. I don't want to be flying around the levels. Some levels you've got to fly around and collect things. It's almost yeah. like, almost like a, a Sky Fox kind of thing, or a Lilac Wars, or whatever you want to call it. And I hate games like that because, like, the first Jack and Daxter game was brilliant, and the second one they introduced like racing elements. You had to do like racing car stuff. Yeah. And even with the new Mario on the Switch, there's certain levels where you've got to race this really, really speedy guy, and I hate that. I'm so I know I want to jump around and find things and search for things and explore. I don't want to be racing. That's if I wanted a racing game, I'd buy Forza or MSR or one of the modern ones or whatever because there's loads around. But I don't want to play racing games. That's why I play these games. And they keep adding elements of different games. Like, leave it alone. Mario is brilliant as it is. And there are four-player Bubble Bubble on the Switch now. I believe there is. Yeah, I've not looked into it because I think it was quite expensive. Yeah. But I think you just, you know, huddle around with the Joy-Cons and that. It's supposed to be quite good. But four players would be quite fun on the same screen, wouldn't it? Mm, I don't know if we've talked about it or not. I can't remember. Maybe not. Maybe. It's been a while, hasn't it? Yeah, it's been a while. So other dull stuff I've been doing, let's go on to the dull stuff, is I've been having an ensuite bathroom redone to try and sell the house so I can move up to Scotland, hopefully this year sometime. So I've been doing really dull stuff like painting and decorating after the, the plumbing was done. Like, God, it's boring. I hate it. it was only Where a in bit Scotland as well. are you going? Glasgow. Or between Glasgow and Edinburgh. I don't know yet. Not sure. Ooh, you're moving with John, bud. No, thanks. <laughs> he's okay on his own thank you right bless him interesting stuff I've been doing uh, Vectrex Asteroids controllers um, I did a slightly modified this is a long while ago now I did a slightly modified one for Jim Watt uh, and another customer where I did a cross pattern of holes on the back so you can have like up down left and right buttons so you can control uh, different menu systems on uh, multi-carts and stuff and uh yeah, so you'd have to plug and unplug joysticks because that's not very good for the Vectrex because the voltage is in there. So you could just do it all with the Asteroids controller. And joysticks I've been making, I've been waiting for some overlays to come through and I'll be doing some Vectrex joysticks, all sorts of stuff. I've just I've just had a load more orders for another 20 Asteroids controllers. So I've had to buy more boxes, uh, over 100 buttons for them as well. It's, it's a wow. lot going on. So yeah, I'd really like doing it. It does keep me busy. I'd love to That's do it full nine time. Buttons per box. It's nine hundred buttons per box. Wow! It's like a jukebox going on. But this is uh, another thing as well. I was going to say a couple of a couple of episodes ago, I was in a really bad mood, and it's because I was losing motivation, and it, it seriously nearly did end the podcast. The podcast. 
I was thinking, look, let's just, just have done with it now. You know, because I've been trying to do other things. I haven't been motivated to do the podcast. And you know how it gets sometimes. And I just mm, thought, you know, let's knock this on the head. And the unfortunate thing with your mum and then us having a break from it was actually quite good for me as well, just because of the break. So we yeah. could sort of leave it for a little while and then come back a bit fresh or whatever. And I, I did do the Vectrex all in between, so which gave me some time to change up a gear a little bit and do something a little bit different yeah, with Chris. Yeah. And that, that was quite that fun, actually, because I really like the Vectrex. And it's sort of an arcade machine at home. It's always sort of billed as a home arcade machine. And I just wanted to do it some justice because I, I really love the hardware side. I love the homebrew side. I love the scene of it. That's probably the only thing I look at on Facebook now is the the face the the Vectrex fans unite page, the, the Facebook page. I'm on that quite a lot. And it's a really, really good community on there. So I sort of wanted to, you know, get those guys interested. And there's actually been a little bit of an upsurge of people wanting Vectrex. And I'm hoping it's because of me and Chris doing that podcast. Yeah. Telling people how good it is. Seriously, there's been people asking for Vectrex all over the place on, on the UK VAC uh, site. And people are saying, where can I get one online? And, you know, people on, on Twitter are going, I've just got a Vectrex and I need this doing. And someone else has got, I'm going to buy a broken one. How can I fix it? They're asking me questions. It's It's quite good. And hopefully... They'll reap the benefits as well. There can't be that many left, can there? They're all in I, the hands of collectors. I don't know how many but were made, even. I don't know. There's quite a few because they made them in America first, then they came over to the UK and Europe, and they did get a limited release in Japan as well for Bandai. Yeah. So yeah, there's, there's quite a big, um, it's quite a big scene of it actually. I think people, people, you know, collecting quite well. I, I've got two. I suppose I would sell one, you know, one day if I needed to or whatever. But yeah, it's getting really, and there's there's loads of loads of projects going on to make different multi carts and homebrew games. It's just loads going on with it, and it's it's a really really thriving scene, which I really like. Also, another thing that's been helped helped keep me going as well and keep me interested in this sort of thing is um, I've done, been doing a few little projects, and they've actually been working out rather than just sort of leaving it stale. I mean, loads of boxes of half finished things, which really gets me down. But I'm a sucker for it. I do it all the time. It's my own bloody fault. Yeah. Is I've been working on my Pi Spectrum Plus. I was working on it a while back, and it's some help from a guy called Ian Hill, who made some a uh, suite of software, and it, it uses the Spectrum, the Spectrum, the Fuse Spectrum emulator with a Pi image, and he's got some software he, he helped incorporate in with it, and it works for Pi Zero, and it actually interfaces with a proper ZX Spectrum keyboard. So you've got the you know the sort of um, you can use a rubber one, but I, I've got a Spectrum Plus, the plastic one. And what I did is I got that in there using his software because the software I was using, the ZX Bear emulator, which which doesn't use any Linux on the Pi. Yeah. It just loads its software into it and that's it. So it loads immediately, just like a Spectrum. Yeah. But it's quite limited. It, it, it can't use sound with a Pi Zero because the Pi Zero needs an extra little dongle for sound and extra software and all sorts. So it can't use it. And you've got to use like a Pi 3 or a Pi 3A plus or whatever. But this one that ian hill has done on his software suite is absolutely perfect and it loads all the one to eight games uh, all the you know the really high-end spectrum add-ons and stuff and it's really really good it takes a little bit of a while to load but not that long and it does everything i want it to do and everything's inside the case there's some ports out the back i've done really neatly so you can put like um the sound and, and the video into a composite monitor and stuff and have sound in it and it works really nicely, and it just it just it looks it is basically a Spectrum keyboard, but with emulation inside, and that is absolutely fine for me because my Spectrum 
one to eight, I can't use my multi-cart with it. You know, I've got an SD card because it just won't work with it. I didn't want to mess about. I wanted to play the one to eight games because it got better sound and all this sort of stuff. So that actually working fine now. It's actually finished. I've actually screwed it back together. It's a finished product. That's it. It's on the shelf, and I'm going to take it out now and again and play games on it and use it. Done. So I'm wow. really happy that that thing has actually been finished. Finishing a project is the best thing ever. It really so that's is. A, that's on our page, is it? Oh, I don't think I've put it on there yet. Actually, I do need to put it on the on the tinkering page. <laughs> I'm so out of the loop at the minute. With I've that just switched fine. off everything. Social media, the lot's off, and it's quite refreshing. Really. Absolutely. Just just have a look at the stuff you're interested in. Not everyone else bombarding you with negativity all the time. Absolutely, mate. So have that- you? Have you got your hands on a Spectrum next? Have you have you bought one? Are you going to no, buy one? No, I'm not interested in it, mate. Um, if I want to play Spectrum stuff, the original Spectrum, I'll buy a Spectrum. You know, you can get them quite easily. They're really easy to fix half the time. Yeah. And there's loads of emulation around if you want to emulate it as well. Quite good emulation. And I've got that thing now, which uses the proper keyboard. And you can actually plug USB pads into it, which is a lot better than the old crappy you know, joystick interface and all that sort of stuff. And I have, I have still got a Spectrum Plus 2, an original yeah. one as well, which can use can, you can play load forty eight k games on it through the SD card. So no, I'm not really interested in the next. I know I know the next can play games faster because it's got you know beefier processor and you can add on Pies inside to it to add as co processors and it's got its own modes for more, slightly more modern games and all that stuff. Better but, sound and all sorts. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not really interested in it though. I'm really not. Um, Andy got one at work and it's I've right. got it out the box. It's quite it's, it's nice and tactile. Didn't plug it in, but it's a nice it's a very well made thing. You can tell it's really well done. The keyboard but looks that, quite nice, yeah. Yeah, it's a bit different. It's got a if they're not round they're not round buttons, they're not square buttons, they're they're like a little say someone's chopped the top off a pie and Ooh, like pies. A, a steak mm. and kidney pie Ooh. and put it on a keyboard so the tops come off. It's like a, it's like Is a gravy everywhere. It's like a U-shaped kind of filled in. It's like a fat U. What you're talking about, Sean, is a ZX Spectrum Plus keyboard, like the one I've been talking about. Is you're it? probably just used to... Shall I show you one? Here. Yeah. Let me on. just... No, if I pull it down, loads of stuff's going to land on me. Can you hear this? That's a Spectrum yeah. Plus keyboard. Yeah, it's just like that. It's got, like, half-rounded keys with a flat on the top of them. Yeah. Like, no, a, def- actual- like a deflated space hopper. We're not yeah. very good at this audio description, are we? No. No. Oh, yeah, you know what I mean, kind of. Yeah, but there's plenty of um, decent people doing development for it as well. So hopefully, I'm absolutely fine for people if they want to play it, but it's not interesting for me, not at all. Mm, If I I want to to play Spectrum stuff, I want to play the original Spectrum games on sort of reasonable-ish hardware. So that's fine for me. Yeah. I think think it's quite pricey as well, isn't it, for what it is? But it is a full-on new computer. It's not just emulation. It is a new computer. So yeah, I can imagine can do, why it's expensive. You can do like parallel scrolling, can't you? Parallax scrolling. And yeah, because the, the Spectrum didn't even have hardware scrolling on it at all. No, no. Uh, well, guess what, Vic? Ooh, ooh. What, what, Arcade, what, what? Arcade Club Bury, floor one opened on the first... This is how long ago we did a podcast. Floor one opened on the 1st of February. So that's three floors. Right. More games, more customers. Very, very busy. It's got basket. You know the big basketball games where you throw Ski the basketball ball. in the hoop. No, where you throw the. Yes, can you see what I'm doing? Throw yeah. the ball into the hoop. Got isn't, two of isn't, them. Isn't that ski ball? No, ski ball is the almost the bowling thing. Oh, is it? Wait, where well, you you roll it? There's there's a, a raised platform of circles. Oh of yeah, and you've got to get in the hole. 
you got to get in the middle for the best one, yeah, and you throw right. it, you throw it up the ramp. Because I've seen so the basketball ones at Fun Spot. They've got loads of them, like about twenty of them there. Hoopla, that could be it hoop, in America. Hoop hoop hoop. Yeah, that and, you got to do that when you play. Hoop hoop. And what else is there? A big air hockey. There's a big hey, call it the Halo ring with a big ten foot Sonic statue in the middle, and it's got sixteen, sixteen Xbox Ones. Right. All playing, and then there's twelve. No, there's not. There's six, eighty-two inch QLED Samsung Samsung TVs on the wall. They're right. all playing Mario Kart. I think you can link eight player. I don't think you can link twelve player, but it's 12, 12 pro controllers. There's twelve people playing at once. Right, and it's just a really nice space. It's quite laid out. It's a bit more VR down there. A few more cocktails and a few more cabs. But yes, yeah, so it's. It's really good, but it's a lot more running up and down stairs. Yeah. So I'm now like three stone. When when I go to arcade club next, whenever that may be, I I won't bother running down to that level because nothing there interests me. Maybe the cocktail cabinets and old stuff, but the new stuff, I just I have no interest in it. I just want Dan- old stuff. Dance rush stardom. Dance for a what? Dance Rush Stardom. <laughs> no, I watch you play it and take pictures of you and put it up on social media, but I'm not doing on that. It's dancing. And there's, How there's, many joysticks has that thing got? None. None. Not interested. There's Metal Gear Solid Arcade, which I didn't know existed. That's bonkers. You put a headset on to play that. Oh. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. A few, few of the bits, a few races. Now, yes, it's a really, it's a brand shiny new floor, so get there, kids. How many, how many scramble machines have they got on that floor? No scramble. Got Moon Patrol. What about Phoenix? Gyrus. Nah. Zookeeper. Oh, I like Zookeeper. That's a good one. I'll I'll nip in there for a game of Zookeeper, all right? Yeah, and Defender. What else? A few other bits. What about the other other locations? Are they doing okay still? Sheriff Cocktail's down there. Ooh. Yeah. That's a good game. Cooker Knob. Uh, Yep. Blackpool is, is ongoing. Blackpool, the arcade club Blackpool is... It's going to be a few months off because we've just... I've seen some just, pictures of all those Goliaths they've got in there. Yeah. I approve of Goliaths. That's that's one of the only two Electricon machines I like. Goliaths and Middies. The other ones can naff off. Yeah. Zenons <laughs> and Spectrum. Rubbish. Rubbish. Yeah, Blackpool would be a way off, I think, because we've got the kitchen. Floor three is now one kitchen in our clay club. There was two kitchens. There's now one. Okay. It's all shiny and new and white plastic and silver. Ooh. So that's good. And there's going to be another party room. There's going to be all sorts of stuff to get going on at Bury. So if Blackpool is not going to be next month, as we thought. It's maybe a couple of months yet, but it won't be far off. Okay. Well, there's a lot to do, isn't there? Yeah. Other stuff I've been doing to try and keep my sanity is um, mm. I've been restoring one of the ISIS team, my ISIS machines. Uh, it's the beginnings of a Mr. Driller multicab. You know, mm-hmm. I've always had a stack of Driller games. They're all, all sort of screwed together on like a, an M3 screw. They're sort of on top of each other. with like, Cocktail stick. Not quite. No. M3 is a bit thicker than a cocktail stick. But um, they're stacked up on top of each other sort of quite neatly with like uh, these screws holding them together. So you can just move the jammer connector between three games. So I got those and uh, I'm going to put them inside on a little sort of board. So you can just reach your arm through the through the coin door and swap the games over. But in that cabinet, because it's a horizontal machine with one button for Mr. Driller, I'm going to put... I had a spare Neo Geo motherboard. But I'm going to game strips. I've just bought 
a puzzle bubble off one of our friends, and I'm going to mm-hmm. put puzzle bubble, just puzzle bubble in there. So you can swap it between Mr. Driller, which is a one-button horizontal game, to Puzzle Bubble, which is a one-button horizontal game. And that'll be my sort of like, you know, little puzzly type cab. Because I love those games. Mm. Brilliant little games. And I'm going to do it with the Mr. Drilly, Mr. Drilly? Mr. Driller livery. So it's going to be like, you know, pink buttons. I've already made, I've already drawn out the control panel, which is really, it looks like someone's just thrown a load of sweets all over it. You can imagine the yeah. colours, all pastel colours and Mr. Driller characters and stuff. I'm going to do a marquee, pink tea moulding, Probably yellow buttons, light blue ball top. You get the idea. Really kawaii, really cute. Can you not do a jammer switcher between... Is it not a four... Can you not do a jammer switch into a jammer switcher so you don't have to take them out? You can actually get six-way jammer switches. But I don't like the idea of all the all the boards being powered all at once. So, oh yeah, get what you mean. Because yeah. what what I'll do is I'll play you know play the games. I'll play Mr. Driller G a lot because it's one of my favourite ones. But if I want to play two, just turn the machine off, hand through the coin door. It's right in front of you, like right there. Just pop it off. Next one down or next one up. Off you go. Same with Puzzle Bob. We'll be on the side. Just do that. It'd be really easy. Mm. If, if they yeah. were sort of in yeah. the in the bottom of the cab at the back, you'd have to do it with the switcher. Yeah. But doing it this way is really simple, really simple. So I'm so getting right into that. Do you need right another that. power supply with a no? with two boards at once? You don't need another. If you if you do like a jammer switcher, do you need a better no. power supply? No, you don't. It, I think the power supply. If you get one with enough amps, which they are, and and the boards are quite small, you don't need another switcher. Because I I used to run um, my Scramble Multi Hardware, which is a two layer board with a full-on scramble game because it had the Konami version on it, which I like playing better than the Stern one. I used to run yeah. them two together. What you have to do is one of the boards, it wouldn't it wouldn't boot probably, you just had like a blank screen. So what you do is you just crank the plus five up a little tiny bit and measure it while you do it. So both yeah. boards have got five volts. But if you just put a single board in there, it won't be drawing as much and you probably get more voltage through it. would be like six volts. So you've got to make sure you turn it back down again if you're going to put another board in. But yeah, it's, it's usually okay to use one switcher. Especially a good right. quality one, because because it's the amps that you know it distributes between the two. Mm. So yeah, you only need one. Ooh. So I've been doing Mister Driller. Um, that's in actually in the front room at the moment because I wanted to make some room in the garage, or to actually move around in the flipping garage. I've always had problems moving around in there, so I've got to do that. I'm getting quite into doing that actually. Um, I've just got to do more artwork, which is quite fun to do. Even though I'm I'm really simplistic about my artwork, I, I use a, a paint program called paint s on the mac and it's just mm. like microsoft paint it's really stupidly simple for children basically and it's good yeah. enough for me and what i do is i send it to ollie at arcade art shop and he just i don't think he actually vectorized it he might do but he, he tarts it up and makes it proper and then gets it printed for me so I, I do the simple work and he does the clever stuff at the end to make it mm. look good i trust him to do that as well but i also need a better tube for that because the the tube I've got in there has got a little bit of burn in it. And when you have a white screen and, and like colourful background, you can see through it a little bit. So what I was thinking about doing is, is I actually bought a 14-inch VGA monitor. I was going to use that for Berserk and then use the Berserk one in here. But um, mm. I do need a better tube, really. I, I might sort of might put even a slightly bigger monitor in there even, perhaps. I don't know. But I need a new tube for it anyway because I think it, it, Mr. Drella does deserve a nice screen because it's such a bright, colourful game. It needs a decent screen in there. So I'm going to source a better screen for that, actually. I might get a new one if I can find a NOS one. Mm. Mm. I've, uh, one of the 
short times I have been on Facebook in the last month, I, I saw Andy's Arcade did a post about a 1980s price list Ooh. from just a generic price list to, you know, operators, and he put it online. And we, we're buying cabs now. Well, you are. And yeah. They're like a lot of money. And they'll, they're Galaxians and Asteroids. You know, these were new, mind you. With 1,395, this is one example, in 1980. So you transfer Ooh, that to yeah. now, and it's six grand. Yeah. So, so the operators were paying six grand, really, in 1980 it, for new cabs. That is about right, you know, even with today. Because you, you think, back then, that cab was quite simple. You know, it's got a monitor in it, it's got a joystick, it's got some buttons, it's got a PCB, it's got a power supply, and a big box around it, right? That's essentially mm. what an arcade machine back then was. 6,000 quid a day's money, right? So if you, in like Arcade Club, which has got modern elements to it as well as the old stuff, if you were to buy a new machine, which is a fairly, you don't even really get standard machines anymore because they've got, you know, touch screens and big buttons and lights and especially the dancing games and, and the rhythm games and stuff. They're what, like brand new? They're like 10 grand maybe? Some of them are stupid. That one on Tony Temple's post, some of them are like 30 grand. Yeah. But then they're That's massive, though, aren't they? They're like a big old really thing. Expensive when it comes and you've got to remember, if you sort of work out the, the money, because back then it was like 10p a go for a game, and now mm. it's a quid a go, isn't it? Or you pay an X amount of money at the doorway to get in. Mm. So that obviously the costs, it pays for itself quicker. But yeah, even, even a sort of simple modern machine has got these fancy bits to it, and it's got, you know updated PC hardware in it and also and some of them even got licensing deals so you need to pay licensing as well so the money yeah, is about the, about that, the yeah. same you know it's about the same if it's if used for an amusement and obviously for paying customers once it's paid for itself just like back then after that it's all profit so I think mm. I think they haven't really changed relatively in price that that much I was yeah, looking I, I was looking so. I was looking at that site as well and it's quite interesting um, the document is from a, th- a company called Joyland, which is based in Ireland. And an Atari Sprint 4, you know, the one with the steering wheels all over it, was three and a half grand back then, and that is 15 grand nowadays. So that mm. is like a multiplayer machine. Because you've got to remember, with, with the multiplayer machines as well, if four players are playing it, you're getting four times the money every time. So your mm. money's going to get back quicker, but obviously it costs more outlay to, to pay for the damn thing already. And interestingly, an Atarian's pinball... because Atari wasn't that famous for pinball. A brand new one was only at 325 quid back then. So nowadays, in 2020 pounds, is 1,400 pounds. And, and pinballs nowadays are seven to 8,000. Yeah. So back then, pinballs weren't in vogue. You know, the, the video games were, and pinballs were sort of left a little bit behind. But it's gone mm-hmm. the opposite way now. Pinballs have kept going, and video games have sort of fallen by the wayside. Because with a pinball... It's a physical thing, and you've got to go to an arcade or a club or wherever to play one. Not that many people can afford seven grand a machine for their house. Mm. Yeah, so that's, that was yeah, interesting. So I love those. I love those old magazines because they, they were done with an original typeface. So it wasn't done on a computer like obviously nowadays. And it was done. You can see the, the really old font and how it was printed and all that sort of stuff. You can imagine someone tapping away on a clackety typewriter, making it, and actually physically cutting and pasting pictures into it before they got printed. God. Old stuff. Love it. Good old, bad old days. Yeah. Chris Parsnips, a.k.a. Chris Parsons, a.k.a. CNP, he came round to pick some up, uh, and he reminded me to do a quick fix to one of his machined Vectrex controllers I made all those years ago. You know the black and silver ones I made out of aluminium? 
because it, it was sticking mm, on the yeah. joystick, so I replaced the joystick for him as well. It was quite interesting to actually get it working again, because he was saying because it kept sticking, he wasn't using that much, and it seemed such a waste having that thing lying around, so I fixed it for him. And he also kindly helped me drag that cab into my front room so I could work on it. Ah, here's another thing. You've got to see this, mate. Um, I watched a documentary, which WAF found for me, called yeah. Not For Resale, a video game store documentary. Yeah. And we have been in one of the stores that's featured on it. Remember when we were in Chicago, we went to that big um, game. I think it was called Games Here and Now, or Then and Now. Uh, Lots of ColecoVision stuff from that, that one. Yeah, that shop, that shop yeah. is in the video, is in the, the, the thing. i got a feeling that's Sean Kelly's shop, who's responsible for the Sean Kelly multi-cart for the Vectrax. He does a lot on the Vectrax. I think it's Ooh. that one. I think it's that one. Is it on YouTube? I don't know. I think I'm not sure where we got it from. Actually, it's on. It's on the streaming media. I would have thought, or you can probably buy it or whatever. I don't know. Have a look for it. But it's called mm. "Not for Resale: A Video Game Store Documentary." It's really good, interesting to watch as well. It's really good. Like it. Mm, I'll have a look. Now, here's an interesting little sort of sub segment. It reminded me to do this all those years, months ago by Phil Eaton, mm. and. All these modern FPGA-implemented PCBs uh, can run with a neat game-choosing menu or boot straight into a specific game. So you can easily be think- fooled into thinking that the game is original. I do this on my Millstar board, running Qbert. Yeah. Um, but I do need to check out the Cubes game, Qbert's Cubes, as well. Uh, and if you're running a multi-game setup, which is the different games on it, um, you hold down P and 1, play 1, t- player 2 starts for a short period, escape by the menu system, just like most main setups. But... We're going to talk a little bit about the FPGA options. These are the ones I know of for a start. Uh, the Crafty Mech Bit Kit, which I actually own. I've got one of these. And it's got loads of older 8-bit games on it. Some quite obscure ones, some of them. Uh, it doesn't have the specific CPU on board. I think they're mostly Z80 games on there. It doesn't use any software emulation. It's all FPGA inter- interpretation on there. It currently plays about 30 games. Some of our favourites are on there. Eyes, Super Glob. Eyes. Eyes. Uh, Super Glob's like And it's got a slightly different ROM version as well. There's a weird-ass Crazy Kong, really weird version of Crazy Kong. Frogger, Pengo, Anteater, Amadar. It also famously plays Nibbler, and it's endorsed by the world record one billion point player who, quote, says, if someone came into my house at night and swapped the PCB, I wouldn't know. It's that good. So the FPG oh. on that is really good. It also plays a game called Triple Punch. You ever played Triple Punch? I've heard of it. Is that the one with, like you said, it's Amadar, but it, the grid is different every game. Like Slightly different, yeah, and you can actually punch the bad guys as well. With How your, many times? Three times? I think you got trip. him three times, yeah, to knock him off the board. Whoa. It's a quite Whoa. it's quite a good little game, actually. I quite like it. Uh, Crush Roller, you like that one, didn't you? I kind of like I like the idea of it. It's really hard, but I kind of yeah. like it. It's a maze game I want to try, yeah. But there's there's lots of odd, weird games. Like, I think Zarzon's on there and, and some of the odd games like Pioneer Balloon and all that sort of old, weird stuff. But it keeps getting added different games to which I'm really pleased with. They're good games. Now, the other one I haven't got, and I was thinking about getting one of these, is the J-Rocks William. It's called the WSYSFPG. And it's a Williams specific 6809 games. And it actually has a 6809 CPU on the PCB. So it's yeah, using that's... a full-on, proper, authentic processor for it. It's enabled with a jumper, so you can seamlessly use a VGA CRT on it as well. But please don't use an LCD or the flat screen, because the, the Krampus will come in the middle of the night and smear it with stinky Marmite. Probably. 
What's Krampus? Is that a, he's like a spy, spidery demon-y thing, is no, it? No, Krampus is a, is a, he's a Christmas demon. So if you've been bad, the Krampus, the Krampus will come and get you. Oh. Yeah, watch out. You've been what, good at, you've been good at Christmas? Yes. Yes, oh, watch my out. my word. Get some mince pies out for that bugger. Yeah. So this this Williams um, FPJ board will play three different versions of Defender. One with a turbo, apparently. Uh, Stargate naturally again with, with turbo. There's two versions of Robotron, and one of them is the Mad Tie Dye ROM set, which mm. enables you to do all sorts of weird things on it. The Tie Dye ROM set adds a bunch of nice features for the pro player. If you're really good at it, this is for you. Like it will know when you've wrapped the score over 10 million points, which I'm never going to do, and it will save properly. And if you enter the number four into the high score table, it jumps you to the Goldilocks mode, apparently, which most players can never attain. It gives you a look, so it's a bit of a cheaty thing to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, another nice feature is with the high scores. If you don't enter any digits, it won't save the score. So if you're having like, um, someone like Russ Jay come over for a quick two-hour game of Robotron, tell him not to put his name in, and it won't put his name in. <laughs> That's good, isn't it? It's got two versions of Joust, uh, one with and one without the pterodactyl bug. You know, when you hit it in the, in the wrong place, I think it goes mental when you do that. Uh, bubbles, splat, two versions of blaster, one with stereo with the external soundboard. I presume that's in the super rare cockpit version, which we've sat in before, and the normal mono version, and two versions of Sinistar as well. And it, it does lots of, I think it does lots of clever things as well. So you don't need like the 49 way joystick with Sinistar, it'll play with a normal eight way and it'll help do little things that the original boards never really did. So it's, yes, sort, of, it's- sort of quite good for that kind of thing. I think it, I got a feeling. I know on the Millstar it does, but you can actually play some of the games when they were naturally horizontal. You can play them vertically. So if you had, say, a Sinistar cab, which is a vertical machine, you can still play the other games, but with a vertical. It'll play it across the vertical. It won't stretch it. It'd be a bit mm-hmm. weird doing that, but at least you have all the games on there. I suppose if you wanted to do it. I'd never do that myself, but people might want a multi-game on there. I do like the idea of these FPGAs, but there's there's this sort of argument at the minute where they're just slightly better than MAME because MAME's getting so accurate. But I do mm. like the idea of them that they're going to preserve the games for future. And Andy, arcade club guy owner, he set uh, he's picked up an analog Super NT recently, which is a Super Nintendo by the by the hyper realistic comp- company that do FPGA. Mega Drive, I think NES, and this this one Super Super NT is obviously Super Nintendo. Yeah. The company's called Analog, and the website says a reimagination of perhaps the greatest video game system of all time, SNES, Super Famicom. You can swap them. Yeah. So no emulation, 1080p, zero lag, total, total accuracy. So we played it at work on one of these massive screens I was on about. Yeah. And it's amazing. I I couldn't. The, the games I had a quick go on. I played F Zero, which I know really well, so I've played it so much. Yeah. The uh, Turrican Two, I've not played on Snares. I've played it on Amiga, Gradius Three, but it 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 is really good. I couldn't sense any lag, yeah. And, and to see it on that big screen and pixel perfect, it did look amazing. And I think I know it's not. It's, it's I know it's not the actual original hardware, but it's bloody it's damn good. Right, what you said that I do have a few problems with. Yeah. <laughs> because I, I'm not, I don't know enough about hardware to say, oh, that's any good or that's no good. The one thing I do like about FPGA is when you're running emulation, on, uh, sorry, hardware emulation on it. So say you wanted to play, I don't know, a game that's similar, like say, say Space Invaders. Mm. 
you put the Space Invader interpretation on there, whatever one of them will call it. It's, you have the ROMs and you have like the, I'm not sure what they call it now, um, the core. It's the core, isn't it? They put the core on mm. there. If you put that inside a cab and turned the machine on at the wall, it would come on immediately, just like an arcade cab. You'd have like the, you know, the rug pattern come up or the, the self checks or whatever, or if it didn't have any, mm. it'd just come up right. No menus, no windows, none of that stuff, which really, really appeals to me. I like the idea that emulation will just load up just like that, and it'll be there, just like an original, you know, original cab. That I really like. But when you say it's running 1080p, that was never ever on that hardware. 1080p wasn't around when that was on the hardware, so that is not right. I, I, I don't believe these things should work on on modern monitors. I think if you want, if you want to emulate the hardware of an original system you should be playing on original controls and original screens so it should work only on a crt compatible you know screen so you know playing on an 82 inch qled tv might be gorgeous and everyone can see it and everyone can play it and you can play eight players all together it'd be great for that sort of thing and i'm totally for that but it doesn't it's that isn't authentic it really isn't. You can't argue with that. It's not authentic. It might be gorgeous and great, but it's not authentic. Yeah, I think it's for a certain market. They, they may have yeah, the few. Yeah, of course. They've got the. They've got the maybe the old. Uh, what are they called now? The things you slot into it. Cartridges. Cartridges. Oh That's my the word. One. They've got the old cartridges. Maybe they've got a. They've got a, a Nintendo, but they've got no CRT. So they've got the put it put this little baby in the front room. It's quite. It's quite a little thing. It's heavy for. It's yeah, really it's really expensive for, as well. It's like 200, 300 quid or something. And yeah. you can just play it on your TV on HDMI. Oof. The the CRT people, you know, they're like us. They, they they love the scan lines and that. But for a lot of people, you can emulate scan lines, which is. Yeah, that's oh, not right again, is it? That wouldn't have ever done that back in the day. It's okay. It's all right. But. Yeah. Yeah, I think it would be. Some people who love it must do. Must love it because it's selling, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. Those things, the analogue, I think the one, the case is actually CNC machined out of a block of aluminium as well. I think it's that one you're talking about. So mm-hmm. it's a nice bit of gear. It's really nice. But but for me, if I wanted to play SNES, and, and I do, and I did, I bought that Japanese mini version, you know, the junior version. Mm-hmm. So it's the original hardware, and I use an EverDrive with the ROMs on it. So I've got it's working through the cartridge port. It's obviously playing the game ROMs, which is exactly the same as a cartridge, but there's more of them. And using the original hardware, so there was there is no lag there. I'm using I'm using a CRT TV as well, or a PVM mm. in my case. So that is just like it would have been back in the day. There's no modern mm. stuff on it. It can't you know flip the screen. It can't do different modes, and all this sort of. I'm sort of doing it the most authentic way I can on original hardware. And that hardware isn't difficult to find. It's not like you can't get them anymore. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it all depends what you want, and you know, as long as you're playing the games and enjoying them, fair play, absolutely fair play. Yeah, not likely to break down, and like the, like the, the old stuff now is some of it's going to wear out, and the ah, I also have things to say about that. Oh, go on, capacitors are going to blow up, and the and the the, the, the jam's going to yeah, and just fly out of it, and you know what the jam's <laughs> like, don't you? Have a toasty, it's red hot. Now, yeah, what what you're yeah. saying is true, right? The older stuff is more likely to break down because it's 30 years old, but 30-year-old components are easy to change. So if you need to change a capacitor, it's easy. It's a it's a 10-minute job if you know how to do soldering. If the CPU on it goes, you can usually replace the CPU. They still make Z80s nowadays. 
They still make them. And you know, you, you can rip an old one off of another, of an old crappy arcade board or a 6502 or a 6809 or whatever, and you can fix them because it's through whole components. They're quite easy to fix. And a lot of those parts, even though they don't make them anymore, they're still easy to find. You can, you can take them off a donor board or you can get bits from somewhere. Some people still salvage the parts. And they're going to last a lot longer because they were made you know, better quality back then. And the modern stuff is all SMD stuff, the tiny little components. Mm. And I reckon that will break down a lot quicker in the in the years to come than the old stuff 30 years old. Could be. We'll have to wait and see, but I do believe the older stuff is... Because it's still going now. Look at all the arcade boards that are still going. They're 40 years old, some of them. Mm. I had a death race from 1976, was it? Still worked. Still worked absolutely perfect. We had, a, we had an old washing machine. that What well, we thought it... You're an old washing machine. And it, it was like 70s, and we put it outside the back door. We didn't know what to do with it. And like 1994, it's still going. It's still on. Yeah. In the back garden. The socks were a bit crispy. I would say but, that your underpants yeah. need that much of a wash. Could do. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get back to FPGA stuff. Now, this one I have got. This is J-Rock again, who's an absolute genius. Uh, this is the BZF, which is both versions of Berserk, Slow and Fast Bullets, and Frenzy. Now, this PCB has got an actual Z80 on board, and it's recently had a hardware revision to include include a VGA port on it. So you can run it through a VGA as well. If you, you know, you've sort of got a slightly more modern cab or whatever, or an, even an LCD, like that sort of thing. But my one hasn't got it on, but it still can do VGA. But you have to do it a switch, and you've got to, you know, route it to a, a proper plug off your jammer. Now, we spoke about this last time, and I just cannot get my one to work with a CRT VGA monitor I bought for it. And um, I presume it's something weird to do with the monitor, but Dr. Murray and myself, handling him the swabs and scalpels are on the case, we're going to get together, and he says he's going to make it work. But both versions of Berserk on this, uh, go listen to our old podcast, 75, where we played my least favourite version, the Fast Bullets version, which I think is a lot harder, to to find out the differences. There are a few differences in the two games, but they're totally different game. Frenzy is still rock hard, uh, but we both need to delve into that one soon as well, one day. Uh, It looks the same, very different to Berserk. And now this has got a ton of options on the menu screen. Um, You you can output 31 kilohertz to VGA with the correct cable and monitor and stuff. You can actually, on on a VGA monitor, enable scan lines, and it does look authentic on a a CRT VGA monitor. It looks really, really good on there. Because this is the one I'm going to actually put a CRT monitor in my Berserk and use it on that, and then nick that monitor for another machine. But it, it does look the business. I did a video on that a while back, which I think I put on on the show notes a couple of podcasts ago. So people can have a look at that and go back and look at it. It's really, really nice, really vivid picture. And it also has a screensaver, if you fancy saving your mint in box CRT RK monitor from the deadly burning. But that is the thing, again, that was never on the original. I prefer it if these little boards just did exactly the same as what an original board would do and nothing else. I want it to. I want it to replace an original board. That's all I want it to do. I don't want Pure to play it on that. It. Yeah, absolutely. You just want to, and, and it can function like that. You can set it just to do that. So it'll yeah. only do what you want it to do. But it, it does have these little options if you do want them as well. It's always good to have. Here is another one I'm quite interested in. This is the J Rock again, the Taito or the Zoo Q. It's called, and it's a very very small PCB. It's got two 
68 A09 processors in it, which is one of my favourite processors because it's been the Vectrex. Mm. Um, the updated PCB now comes with a VGA port again and can run in 15 kilohertz original arcade mode and 31 kilohertz VGA mode. Games, this is one I was on about earlier, can also be rotated to play on opposite orientated monitors. So it plays Kicks, Kicks 2, Cram, Electric Yo Yo, which are a bit odd games, Space Dungeon, which is quite fun, Complex X, and most importantly, Zookeeper. Oh. Which is a, quite a rare cab and rare board to find nowadays. I suspect most people are just using it for Zookeeper, and I would as well, absolutely. Yeah. And it has all the other handy features as well high score save, screen saver, boot to single games, etc., etc. Yeah. You know, you're on about 15 kilohertz and 31 kilohertz there. Yeah. It's. It's always confused me that, you know, because you have a 60 hertz monitor, which is also a 15 kilohertz monitor. So I started looking into it, Vic. Right. Because I don't know much about this either, actually. And I've not done a spreadsheet. No, this is just a document. Okay. Right, chapter one. In the beginning, there was slime, and slime got legs and crawled out of the ocean. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, Go go a bit further on from that. Okay, right. Refresh rates, refresh rates hertz, like a 16 hertz monitor, which you wish I knew. Yeah. It refreshes the whole screen 60 times a second. Yeah. From left to right, top to bottom, the whole image, 60 times a second, 60 hertz. That yes. is called the vertical clock rate, right? Right, okay. Monitors, arcade monitors, are, are measured in the horizontal clock rate. So that is, right. The total number of lines a CRT draws a second. So say if there's there's 262 lines on some of these old machines, right? Yeah. So it draws 262 lines 60 times a second. So that is a total of 262 times 60 lines a second, which is 15,700. Yes. Re- relating to 15.7 kilohertz yeah because it's strictly 15.7 something kilohertz isn't it yeah 720 something so the old arcade games are 262 lines 192 active 70 blanking right i've looked i've looked into blanking as well most of the games we play are 262 lines which are 224 by whatever 38 blanking yeah blanking you do know what this is no go on vertical blanking and horizontal blanking right that's the top and the bottom so when the when the the electron beam whatever it's called draws it starts at the top yeah. draws right down to the bottom yeah it, it there has to be a sync pulse like a a synchronization before it jumps the beam jumps back up to the bottom of the screen yeah to steady it it draws a few black lines at the bottom oh okay few, and a few black lines at the top yeah and then starts drawing again. Right. That's called, that's called the vertical front porch, the bottom bit. I've heard that word before. I didn't know where what it meant. draws yeah. the black. Then it goes back to the top, which is kind of reverse of what you think, the vertical back to- back porch. Yeah. So af- after it's drawn all that black, the sync pulse is then steady enough to start drawing the image again. Right. Clever, isn't it? Yeah, I, I'd, I'd heard a lot about this, and I didn't really understand it, and I still don't understand it that well. But I got an idea of what happens, and obviously, a thirty-one kilohertz does it twice, almost twice as quick. Yeah, because the lines are thinner on a VGA monitor, aren't they? The scan lines are thinner. Well, the thirty-one kilohertz is five hundred and twenty-five lines. 
Yeah. So you've got 480 lines active and 45 blanking. Yeah. Times 60 kilohertz is 31,500 hertz, which is 31,000, 31.5 kilohertz. So that's the amount of lines. Yes. Lines and lines and lines and lines and lines. Yeah. So the horizontal blanking is is a little a little bit of black at the end of each line, not at the end of each frame. Okay. So that's that's where you get borders on on the side. Yes. So it gets to the end of the line, shoots back yeah. to the beginning of the line, and that's the, the I don't know if it's called a vert, horizontal pulse, I don't know what it's called, but it, yeah, the electron beam shoots to the back. So it, it doesn't, it draws a few blank pixels, which are black, shoots to the back, shoots to the next line, say line 20 of like 262, and starts again. So that's where there's borders. Yeah. Yeah, I get it now. I get it it's now. Clever, isn't it? it is, it's good stuff. And I think when when emulate stuff, it misses out the ones between. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. you can do pro- progressive video is every line drawn. Interlaced video, it draws every other line. Yeah, that's what I meant. And that's when you yeah. get a slightly fuzzy picture. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's drawing. It's not drawing the whole picture every frame. It's drawing half of it, but you, it, your eyes don't see it because it's so yeah, quick. So fast, your eyes yeah. might just sense it. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's 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 interesting stuff. I don't know. I've just been doing stuff to take my mind off of things. So I've been reading it. It's good to know, though. It's good to yeah. know what's going on with those kind of things, especially with screens, because well, it's the it's the main part of an arcade machine. Definitely yeah. the screen. So on to the next FPGA. I've got this one as well. Actually, this is a J Rock Millstar Multi, and this is my favourite one of the ones I've got. I reckon it resides yeah. in my Cuba Isis themed cab, and I've only got it booting to play Cuba because I sort of all ever play in it. And it, mm. you know, you wouldn't know, especially for someone who's not very good at Cuba, they wouldn't know it's it's not got it in it. Mm. Um, there's some very good games on there, and it's quite some good. Argus, uh, I think this has been added since I got my ball. I think it's got my mind's gone there. Uh, Cuba, obviously, Cubert's Cubes, Cubert Cubes cocktail version, FHMC Cubert, faster, harder, more challenging Cuba, Mellow Yellow Cuba, which has got some advertising for uh, custard or something. I can't remember. Mad Planets, which is a brilliant game. Kroll, Reactor, Screwloose, and Three Stooges. And this board has also got an original 8088 CPU on it. Right. And it, it has got, it's now got a VGA port. Mine hasn't, like a lot of the other FPGA multis. Now, this one has got a lot of the standard J-Rock features with VGA enable, high score saving, play on an orientated monitor. So you can play Mad Planets. I think Mad Planets is a vertical game anyway. You can play the vertical and the horizontal games on either monitor. You can just swap it around so it actually plays on there. And but some of the games on the, on this as well have got odd controls, and they're all catered for on different setup cabs. So the one I use is I play Cuba on there. And you know, Cuba is a four-way joystick rotated forty-five degrees, so you only get the diagonals. Yeah. But on my one, I've just got a standard eight-way in there, right? And the Cuba PCB ignores up, down, left, and right, so you can't you know miss a, a movement when you move it. It won't sort of go to the middle and go down rather than up it will always go to the, it, it actually misses out the cardinal position positions so it will actually clever, only it? work and it works really well so when i know someone who's a really good player charlie fast really good at cubert and when he played it i asked him how well it did and he said it was brilliant just like an original machine he didn't make one foul mm. move on it and i've never made a wrong move by accident on that cab it's always been me playing badly, not very good, rather than blaming it on the joystick. You can't because it's perfect. It works really, really nicely. And that isn't an original thing on the original cab, but it's absolutely brilliant. It works. It's beneficial to the game using that. 
so good. Mm. Reactor needs a trackball. And this can always always it can play with a trackball or a joystick with this board. It's got a connector for a trackball. But if you haven't got one, you can play it with joystick. Obviously not as good. Mad Planets can be played with original controls. You can actually put a spinner in this and the uh, the, the trigger stick joystick. Uh, and even supports one of the unused pins on a jammer edge connector to connect a Q-Bert pinball knocker. So you get the knocker from, from Q-Bert. So Mad when, Planets is at Arcade Club now. Is got it? it? Yeah. That, that is a great game. It's mad it and hard, good, it? but yeah. it's really good. But if mad I was to if I was to make a control panel with a spinner and a joystick with a fire button on it, mm-hmm. I could play that in my cab as well. Just swap the controls over and play it. But I, know, I never managed to do it. I should do it one day, actually, because it's a really good game. But I just love Cuba. Cuba's fine in there. I love it as it is. Mm-hmm. But when, when Cuba falls off the, the, the pyramid or Coily falls off, it fires a pinball knocker, so it goes clunk, Makes a mm. physical clunk noise on the on the front of the cab, and it's a really nice little addition to the game when you hear that. Because people, when they play it first, they don't realise what was that. It's this like physical clunk it makes, and it's really good. It's really good. Now here's the big boy. This is the Mister FPGA. Yeah, this is the one everyone's raving about. It's essentially a Terrasic DE10 Nano, which is um, an FPGA uh, powered by an Intel Cyclone FPGA. It's got a RAM. You need a ROM, a RAM module for it, available in different sizes, and an I/O card if you want to um, output to an arcade monitor, for example. So that's the the bits you need essentially to play arcade stuff on it. But other add-ons can be bought too. Um, for, for arcades, it's just those bits. This emulates many cores from computers to consoles to arcade PCBs. Depending on the cores, it can be extremely accurate. And I say emulate. Because they do emulate the actual chips, not just interpret the software ROMs like MAME, for instance. I've heard many good reviews on these things and also some negative opinions. But the good cores are made from decapping chips, so they actually laser off or, or machine off the tops of the chips so they can get the information inside and see where all the bits are going, which is mm. it's microscope stuff, basically. It's, it's, it's microscopic, which, is, which makes a really maximum accuracy to the game board in question. So other yeah. arcade gurus complain they are still emulation as they are not using all the physical chips to play a game. But even some of J-Rock's FPGA boards use emulation tricks and samples as the FPGA isn't capable of reproducing some parts of the original. For instance, the sound on Q- the sound samples on Cuba are actually samples. They're not generated with a special chip. They're samples from right. the board. Right, I didn't know that. Well, you wouldn't know, would you? Because you, your hearing isn't that good to differentiate between the two. But it mm. works absolutely fine. It's absolutely lovely. And a lot of all the other bits, you know, you know, orientating the screen and outputting to VGA is hacks, really. But they work really nicely. Mm. So the conclusion on this, for me, an original PCB will always be king. If I can get an original PCB and it's not going to break down every five minutes, I'll be happy. But if I've got an original game cabinet, you know, I want, I want the original board in there running it. But if, say... A really desired Williams cabinet, for instance, which I don't really want. But if a Robotron cabaret floated towards me, I grab it with both hands. Hmm. Um, I would run it with original hardware until it failed. Then I would bypass all the original hardware and use a J-Rock multi Williams. I definitely would because Williams hardware is notorious for breaking down. Some people yeah. have really good luck with it, but a lot of people just say it just breaks down. You know, the RAM fails a lot, and it's hmm. got multiple boards. For me. Because I'm not good at fixing that stuff, and I wouldn't want to rely on my friends to fix it for me all the time because it'd be a pain in the backside. I would just, 
I would just put a jammer loom in there, leave all the original hardware exactly where it is, bypass it with a jammer loom and a jammer switcher and one of these FPGA boards, and I'd be a happy Larry. Because you, you mm-hmm. wouldn't know. And for me, I'm not an expert at William Games. If I could play Robotron like the original, I'd be happy. Absolutely. And also, Cubert cabinets, uh, especially the Super Rare Cocktail cabinet which I played years ago, Cubert hardware is prone to faults. It's multiple boards. You've got a special speech board. It's got horrible power boards to it, and you know batteries leak on it and stuff. And it is a pain to keep going. So if I were to ever have a, a proper cabinet, I'd just put a Cubert board in. Just put a Milstar in there, and it'd be fine yeah. for me. I, I'd be absolutely happy. I'm I'm not a world class champion player, so I'm not going to be getting world records on it. I don't need the original hardware to get original, you know scores that will get past Orcade or or any of the high score people like Twin Galaxies. So I'd never need that. I'd be happy just having a game that works all the time for me. Mm, so yeah. yeah, shove an FPGA in there and off you go. And Original Berserk is also another one that breaks down a lot. Yeah, yeah. You know, unless you're clever and, and can keep the thing going and all that sort of stuff, just put this in. It's a tiny little board. It's like, what, I think they're like $180, $200 and you get the three games on it as well, so it's a bargain, I reckon. Yeah, it lasts for ages, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I'm happy enough, really, with a, with a near enough emulation of MAME, and oh, I've never, I have played FPGA, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad these things are there, though, because it will preserve like 99% of the essence of the game. They're, they'll be there for future generations. Maybe the cabs may be gone, they'll be but the, the the game in the history books will still be there and people will be able to play it like near enough exactly yeah. as it was intended. Absolutely. I'm for them. I am for them, yeah. Mm. And then I'm and not that... I'm not gonna buy a Mister because I think it's about two hundred quid setup to, to get it going. Yeah. And I've got all the boards I want to play and the rest of the stuff, like you, I'm happy to play on emulation. Yeah, I'm lucky that I can I work in a place where I can yes. play yes. original hardware. There's hundreds of games I can just switch on and play. Yeah. So I think that that influences me a bit because I know I can get I can play them if I want. Of course you can. Yeah. Yeah. So Mister to me is generally a multi-board, and it plays a lot of different PCBs on the whole very well, much better than Mame, and could do a bang up job of console emulation as well. But the cost against a cheapo PC with groovy Mame in it. Yeah, yeah, you know the two PCBs. The two PCs I've already got in my pony cabinets, vertical and horizontal, they win out for me. That, that would cost me four hundred quid if I wanted to buy Mister for it, and I've already got the stuff, so I'm not going to bother. Mm. And Mister still isn't thought of as real hardware, and none of the high score organisations would would accept a score done on a Mister setup. They just wouldn't do it. Mm. It has to be original yeah, yeah. arcade stuff, which doesn't really bother me. I'm never going to get world record, am I? So that's fine. But if you had limited space, time skills, etc., and wanted a bunch of accurate computer, console, and arcade cores under one quite small umbrella, you do well to spend 200 quid on a Mr. Setup. Mm. Um, you can even run them without the I.O. board on modern HDMI screens if you want to do that as well. So you don't even need to pay that much for it. If you just want to do it, you had limited space and a flat screen HDMI TV to play it on, it'll work on that as well. Mm. So you know, it will work yeah. fine. But I also really like the multi-game kits on actual arcade PCBs. So Phil Murray is responsible for one of the best on the market. This is the Scramble Hardware multi-game kit, which has to be installed on a Super Cobra board because it's got slightly upgraded hardware to run a few of the games that Phil's added to the board. 
So that for me is one of my, that's the machine I probably play more in my arcade than any other because it's got a bunch of old games now I played as a kid and I love it and it plays it on real yeah. hardware. So it's really, really cool. Yeah. Gadget Freak on the UK VAC forums has also released a shed load of EEPROM upgrades and hacks to add different games to existing hardware and high score battery chips to be added to PCBs. I'm talking like um, with the IRM hardware, you can put multiple games on, say, a uh, one of the golf games. Major title one and two. You, know, you can play R type, mm. R type two. You can play loads of the the modern, the slightly more modern games on there as well on the, on the extra hardware. And it's just ROM swaps. It's very easy to do. So, and, and those boards are really, really expensive original. So you can just get one of these old golf games. Yeah, you know, they were quite easy to find, but they're getting harder to find now. And put these games on it, and it works perfectly. So there's a few multi-game Neo Geo carts as well. I think they use emulation, those ones. You can get STV multi-games, um, CPS multi-games, quite expensive, but if that's your thing, it plays on original hardware as well, the ROMs on different hardware. Yeah. I've also got um, an Asteroids Multi and a Space Invaders Multi add-on PCBs. And I've also got the Macro Galaxian multi-game kit. So these are actual multi-games on real hardware. So it's just the ROMs mm. working on real hardware. And they are a must-to-have as well. If you've got a Space Invaders machine, you'd be crazy not to pay the 50 or $60 to buy a, a Space Invaders multi-game. It's absolutely brilliant. I've got it in my, in my cocktail cabinet. It's absolutely brilliant. So good. It's got others on it, like Balloon Bomber and all that kind of thing. Yeah, it, some it? really cool little games on there. Mmm. Arcade News. So we've got some news. Uh, this is from a little while back, so it's probably not current now, but it's still good news non- nonetheless. Yeah. An ancient Atari Ireland internal document has been unearthed from the Tipperary dump site, where Atari infamously buried all the remaining evidence that Peter Patrat actually existed. Yeah. There is a quote from Deputy CEO Jeremy Forkfingers <laughs> that says, Ah, Christ, we had to dump that pile of crap. Baby Jesus and all the angels rolling around in heaven above at the heresy of that game. So we chucked them all in the canal around the back of the co-op. <laughs> yeah. I was paraphrasing them, but that is what he essentially said. Yeah. Here's some good news. Galloping Ghost's owner, Doc Mack, is officially a legend. He's been inducted into the International Video Game Hall of Fame. Well As done, Doc. he should be. Deserves it. Well so done. Let's give him a quick golf clap. Well done, Doc. I found out this the other day. You know the Taito Hei arcade in Japan I went to when I was there ooh, 10 years ago? Mm. I've only just found out that's an acronym for Hirose Entertainment Yard. I didn't know that. Did you not, really? No, it's a flipping good arcade as well, though. I know that. I knew that. No, you did not. No, I didn't know that. Anyway, here's some new news. Tony Temple strays into the modern arcade world in his latest post, and he's gone to the EAG show in January. And he's... I just had a quick look through the videos that he put up on that, and it's all tr- big, big, shiny LED monster truck games. Cra- it's a crazy taxi remake called Crazy Ride. Right. There's, there's a motorbike game, VR game. That's 30 grand. See, so, so you're sitting on a, like a hang-on type of swoopy bike, and it's 30 grand. You've got to put but a funny got, helmet on as well, though, if it's VR. VR headset, and then you throw up when you get off it. Yeah. There's, there's Pong Knockout, which looks like Warlords, basically. Yeah. And, and there's another one, Space Warp 66, which I've seen on the Arcade Heroes site. It's a simple, it spews out tickets, but I think you can put it up, you can switch it off. Yeah, a lot Just of left, can. left and right, tunnel game, you're going down a tunnel. Like a lot of bonus, like even Sonic had a bonus game, he was running through a 3D tunnel, didn't it? One of the Sonics. Yeah, I love that just, bit. 
just drive, just going down a tunnel. Okay. But it's so simple. I mm. think that was one of the hits of the show. And since then, uh, Tony's also done another blog entry about picking up a red tent from a raid in Ireland, which is a really interesting read. I read that in the bath yeah. of the other day. It's really good. I'm sure Tony's done a good job on that as well. He's going to restore it nicely. Did he get get it from Go Outdoors, the tent? Uh, no. He got it from if, an art arcade in Ireland. Because if you put that in like a ball ring and it were red, the ball would run right into it and like rip it to pieces. So he shouldn't um, really do that. Sean! Sean, come back! I'm oh, back. Sh- oh, there you are. You're back again. Yeah. Yeah, I checked out the um, the modern stuff, actually, and there's not a lot that interested me on that, really, because it's all modern stuff. But I quite like the idea, at first, of Centipede Chaos. It looked really cool. And mm. I find I looked on a video of it, and I find out that you control your bug-killing character with a comedy massive joystick with a two-inch ball top on it. Why yeah. didn't they just keep it a trackball? Mm, you, you, know, you know, in the modern games nowadays, they want to sort of bring people into stuff you can't play at home. Not many people on a modern setup have got a trackball. So why don't they yeah. leave the trackballs in? Because it's the best way of playing Centipede, isn't it? On a flipping massive joystick... Or even a touch sensor or a trackpad they could have used. So that ruined yeah. it for me. Ruined it. Mm. What's this from Pete Hahn? This is a... a Pete Hahn liked this on Twitter. This is a bunch of machines being made up for a arcade starting up in Spain. I think oh, it's... Nice. Is it the Mercado? I can't remember what it's called now. They're nice, then. If oh, yeah, so it's the Mercado Arcade in Tudela, Spain. So there's a bunch of... Uh, which cabs are they? Is that a blast? I think it's a blast city, that one. Yeah, there's a bunch of blast cities going to go in there. That would be nice in Spain to go to. Have you had one of them Mercados? The, the little chocolate sticks. It's like someone's dipped dipped an incense stick in chocolate. and then You, you, you just... do realise that's a Pocky. It's a Japanese thing. They just renamed it for Europe. Did they? Yeah, it's a Pocky. I've oh. had loads of Pockies. They're lovely. Oh. Oh, talking about Pete Hahn, huge congratulations to former Game of the Year, Pete Hahn for setting his latest world record, and this one is interesting to me, this time Pete sets his sights on the classic Stern game, Tasmania, which we covered mm. way back. And he got an incredible 1.5 million points on it, which is insane. Took him roughly four mm. and a half hours, and the previous high score was 1.325 million, and that's stood since 1983, so he's crunched that. Wow. What an amazing accomplishment to topple a 37-year-old world record. It's Pete's 102nd world record. I haven't got it's one amazing. world record. He's got 102. So congratulations, Pete. It's amazing. My personal best on that game is a lowly 69,000. Hey, Pete, I want a few tips over here already. Give me some tips. I love that game. I was just playing it the other day. Absolutely brilliant. That's not, but didn't we cover that? And that, that was not that was a pretty good score, weren't it? You got quite far into the game, didn't you? I think I looped it. Because you, you get like different mm. meanies on the level. I think it's like 10 different meanies and you looped it. He's looped it hundreds of times, for goodness sake. Yeah. Yeah, so really, not, I love that game. It's one of the games I played as a kid in the chip shop down the end of my road. Mm. Uh, there's another new game come out, a new from a new indie dev. It's called Armed and Gelatinous. I'll put the link on the website. They've got a few machines on location in the US, and the game is being released on modern consoles and Steam later this year. So good luck to that, guys. Yeah, it looks all right. Uh, there is one that I found, which is... Mame, I think someone must have sent me a link. I can't remember. The 1942 Mame ROM has video emulation thing uh, problems with it, which I always thought. On Mame, you know, yeah, yeah. The only thing it is, you know, when you get the title screen and there's the Capcom logo at the bottom, and it and it's it's like 
it expands to yeah, say it moves capital. around yeah yeah well it should expand correctly but on MAME the the C-A-P-C-O-M are reversed as it as it expands. Oh. And I've always thought that were weird, and I've never noticed it, but when I look at the one at work, it, it should actually expand cap on the left, com on the right, obviously, but it's it's all reversed in oh. MAME in MAME emulation. So if someone's fixed it, it doesn't alter the gameplay at all. And I've never noticed it, so that's a weird thing as yeah, well. Yeah, I always thought it was weird. Hmm. Well, you, you play it a lot more than I do, so you would have noticed it more. And if you're looking at it at work every time you go in... Yeah. Yeah, weird. Well, I'm no, glad they've done it anyway. It's you know, a little bit more authentic, even more now. But um, it does show that MAME still has little errors in it. Yeah, of course it does. Yeah, we some of the games we get really deep into, we find them, don't we? Like sound yeah. missing and stuff, and yeah. Yeah. Pickups. It's a while back now, but I got sent a NES Advantage arcade stick from Ali the Retro Hunter. And this is a really brilliant little arcade stick, so thank you very much for that. It's got one and two player cables on it, and it's switchable. So you have one controller plugged into both ports of the NES. When you've played your first game, you switch it over, give it to your mate, and they play number two. And they switch mm. it back and give it to you. So it's really cool. It's got um, auto fight and slowdown mode on both the buttons as well. So it's a really, really good quality little controller. And it looks just like an arcade controller. I love it. It's really nice. I got Sweeties, a NES Mini, another one, and a tiny, tiny T-shirt, which won't infer over my massive belly, from the Canadian Mentals, Sarah and James. <laughs> ah, I got a reverse pickup, which means I got rid of something. Uh, one of my sub-electric ISIS cams... Has gone. Got rid of one. I got rid of one. Why? This was in my purge of nearly throwing all my toys at the pram and stopping the podcasting because I couldn't do. I didn't have enough room in the garage to move around, and I thought I'm never going to get round to doing all these cabs. So I sold one. I sold one for the same price. I think slightly less than I picked up for actually. I've bought another 50 OBSF 24 buttons and a bunch of 30 mil. Black and green ball tops with some very special Vectrex joysticks I was talking about earlier. And hopefully the overlies arrive soon and get them done. And since then, I've ordered another 100 buttons and another 25 boxes and another 20-odd cables. And oh, I've got so much coming through for that, honestly. God. It's a nice one I got just the other week, actually. I got sent a high-score PCB kit for Phoenix and one for Pleiades as well. From the godlike Phil Murray. Now, I already had a Phil Murray Phoenix high score kit on mine, but it just saved the score. That was it. And this mm. new one he's done saves your names on there. It's got a little name board. As mm. well as that, if you go into the menus, which he's put a little hidden menu system in there, it's got the option of, of fixing the bug. You know the 207k bug? Yeah. It fixes that. Ooh, right. You can have that turned on or off, and it will save different ways as well but pleads is the same thing it saves the names on pleads as well that's really really cool I've, I've, I've put both in my in my cab as well and they work lovely it's absolutely brilliant and also on the on the phoenix one he put on the high score table he actually put some names in and he put my name with eighty three thousand eight hundred, which is what i got when we did it on the podcast that time so it's got my original high score on there i'm gonna try and beat it hey, that's clever it's cool yeah I've got I've got a ten meter Ethernet cable to wow. stop. That's good, isn't it? That's my pickup to stop th- th- this cutting out when we do podcasts, and it's trailing along the house. And it's and going some, so well so far. 
and son's already tripped over it and banged his head on the front door but Uh-oh. it's it's still working do you know what else i picked up vic this what? isn't good what? three put three points on my driving license <gasps> Speed, oh speeding! I didn't see one of them little yellow box, and it flashed me. Dull. Oh, I got. Do you know- I got done one of them a little while ago because I was doing slightly over on a smart motorway. You know, it changes the different speeds, variable speed. And I didn't realise. I didn't yeah. get three points. I went on the the awareness thingy. It was actually quite interesting. I've already done that a few years ago, so they won't give me. Oh, you're a bad awareness. lad then, a proper bad lad. Yeah. Well, I thought if you did multi, if you did anything in multiples, so if it's a thirty mile an hour and you're doing sixty, Ooh. it it kind of cancels it out. You know, they they because mm, the cam- mm. camera wouldn't be able to flash you so quick. Do you know what I mean? Right. I know for a fact. I saw a program years ago. Is those cameras only fail to work when you're doing over 170 miles an hour? And I don't think your car can do that, mate. So no, I was doing, you're never going to get out of that one. 30, 37 or something I would do. Not, not too bad. But the I didn't, first I didn't... time I got done a lot of years ago, like 15 years ago, I was doing 39 and 30 on a Saturday morning, and it was my own fault. Mm. Yeah, when you're rushing and you're not paying attention, you get... Well, yeah. you should be. Listener feedback. We've had this is quite old feedback now, but we do it anyway. Uh, Madjock got in contact. Don't know why they had four buttons on X multiply, but two was useful for faster shooting. Mm. And here are some games that should have been in the arcade. Seems that many C64 games would qualify the arcade to hear more. Hero, yes. for a start, which we both like. Having challenging flow maneuvers in caves or shooting lasers from eyes at spiders and bats. Mm. Uh, Aztec Challenge, which I had on the Atari 800. Uh, you run for the pyramid while jumping over our dodging spears, and that's just the first challenge. Uh, look forward to the next episode as usual. It's from Magic. I had that. It's a bit janky, a bit janky that game. I remember it was a bit clunky in that, but it's some good ideas in the game. It was game really play. chunky, wasn't it? I remember it being chunky graphics. Mm. Uh, talking about you know having uh, old console and computer games in cabs, Pixel Blast actually have a few new build arcade machines with old consoles in. And I know they got a 2600 in the cab there. I don't think we saw it when we were there. It might have been an addition since then. But they put um, arcade games in them, you know, the arcade versions on the 2600, and they look really nice. And we'll have yeah, to I check them out the next time we go to Chicago. Hopefully mm. next year sometime. We've been talking about that. thinking early, early next year, I think. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. so too. One Punch Rob. I really relate to Vic's problem with having everything going wrong. I missed a kamikaze play because another monitor went down. So that's three CRTs I now need to fix. I switched to my backup LCD and the hard drive on my main machine is now corrupt. I started to look into it but then thought balls to this and went and finished Link's Awakening on the Switch. From X Multiply onwards, I'll be playing on my laptop with an Xbox pad until I get time to fix everything. I've all... Already played Super Trio and submitted a score. I won't be playing it again as it's utter rubbish. If I ever see this machine in the wild, I should smash it to tiny bits with my fists of porridge. I look forward to the next show and everyone complaining about the game. Oh, dear. They might well be. This is from Rygar. Uh, Commiserations on your techno woes, especially you, Sean. My trusty old PS3 gave it the ghost just for New Year. 11 years I'd had it, so I know how you feel. Then one of my main PC died in a freak cat-related accident. Good news is I've got a new one all set up using Rich Chunkson's Groovy Time image, and it's great. What's better is I get a cheap SFF machine off eBay with an AMD A8 processor with built-in Radon R7 graphics, and it can do 15 kilohertz with CRT MU drivers with the integrated GPU. Seems to run, that. Seems to run everything I'm likely to play on it at full speed, too, including the cave games I've tried. 
Only trick of it was tapping off the audio in 5 volts from a mini amp so I could output the sound from the PC to the JPAC. But even that's just a few bits of wire. Anyway, the point of this ramble is the new PCB for my vertical cab. And while I was going through the ROMs to set up my favourite list, I remembered your witterings about Uncle Pooh. So I gave it a whirl. What an absolute gem. I'm stuck on level 4 in the middle diamond, but when I get that one down, I'm going for the record. As for Super Trio, it's another Amiga game. A very polished one with smooth graphics and some nice ambient background tunes, but an Amiga game nevertheless. Gotta say, I never saw this one back in the day, and if I had, I doubt I would have played it. From a modern perspective, however, I can see it has its charm. It's quite the track and field stroke hyper-sports rip-off bonus stages, but it ain't no Uncle Pooh. Oh, no. And he's posted his score on Arcade Sidekick as well. We've got a post, um, a post from Aned Elad Reli. These are pretty cool, not worth the price, though, and it was a Korean squat jammer arcade cab. Did you see this on eBay? Yeah, I've seen the, I've seen the squat cab before because I'm quite into cabaret cabinets. But a squat cab looks like a cabaret cabinet that's been chopped in half. And it was specially for outside like toy shops and for kids to play in Korea. So you'd sit mm. on the floor on a tiny little, you know, like a little tiny junior school seat and play them. They, they had proper games in, like, I think, the 14-inch or maybe even 19-inch monitors. But they'd hardly had any depth to the cab at all. So really tiny little things with, with old games in. That's what they used to play. I think they were £1,000 each they wanted for them, which is, which is ridiculous. That's too expensive. Just had, a, just had a quick look now, and they're still on eBay. Not sold for $1,000. Still there if you want, if you want it. Yeah. Uh, Soren. Hi, Tempence Arcade. Thanks for a good podcast. Could you review a, a game from 1982 or 83 called Locomotive? And when I played it, we used to play it two at a time, a smoke operator and a train operator. I think he's talking about Locomotion. Yeah. Which is a tile-moving game. But I'm not sure you have a smoke operator and a train. I'm not sure what game it is. Can you please get in contact, Soren, and, and send us some screenshots? Because it's not one I know of. It's, it's not locomotion. Yeah, I remember the, the one. It's like the pipes thing, in it? We've got to move yeah, the track and tr- keep it. You move them around. The you water, have to keep it going. Water flowing through the pipe or the train on the track, in this case. Deadlock. So I think we should start to compile a 10 pence dictionary to explain many of the eloquent phrases used by 10 pence and Sean. I'll make a start. Snack, a long wiggly thing that can kill you. Skellington, the bony <laughs> bits that come back to life and kill you. Toidle, a dangerous beast with a hard shell that can also manifest itself as a ninja. Shooting face, a game where you destroy things by firing bullets at them. Mosquito, nasty insect with deadly pointy nose. Spider. Eight-legged monstrosities. Knackered village, a rundown place where I was hatched. Absolutely. There must be loads more rubbish we made up as well, I suppose. Yeah. Jeremy Riley. I visited Game Masters, the exhibition, a few weeks ago. Nicely set with about 80 playable games across multiple formats. And he mentions a bunch of nice consoles and arcade cabs all lovingly looked after. Although I always grab the chance to play Tempest and Missile Command on original cabs because of their unique control system, I can play those on my main cab to a reasonable degree. It was a new game that caught my attention. I wondered how much you knew of it, and this is GB1978 from Namco, and he uses a spinner to control two paddles simultaneously to bounce a ball and knock out bricks, a la Breakout. But the layout was just like a pinball machine with bumpers and lights to lock. The machine in the exhibition had a perfectly tuned spin. It was a pleasure to play. There was three of them, weren't there? There was GB, Bombi, and QTQ. There was a series of three of them. Yeah. And we, I have actually played um, a cocktail version of it. It's really good. Were these it, Miyamoto's first games? Some, or was it no. the, the Space Invaders guy? Ishik- Ishikado, was I it? I think it was a Space Invaders guy, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it uh, could be. 
He also goes on to say, I didn't think much of X Multiply, very much a poor man's R-type, and thought that Super Trio felt like a Neo Geo version of an Amiga platformer. Good looking and slick, but missing an innovative spark. Mm. As per your recommendation, I've been listening to old episodes of No Quarter, and the Green Beret episode inspired me to dig out that gem and put some time into it. I have beaten my previously high score, but can't finish the second level. But what a great game. My recently completed house renovations give me an extra games room, and the twin virtual racing cab has been wheeled in. The left one I need some work, and the force feedback stream is a bit flaky, but I'm looking forward to playing one of my favourite arcade racers in all its original glory. I'll send you some pictures when it's done. Thanks for inspiring us all to play the new games and check back in old favourites. Keep up the great podcasting. And he's also known as Zorro on Arcade Psychic. Don Gratton messaged me to say they like the podcast, especially the mysterious Japanese lady. Thank you, Don. And why wouldn't he? Mmm... Friendly shout-outs. I'd like to shout-out to Ian William Hill, who created Sinclairian, and also Jose Luis Sanchez, who did ZX Bear Emulator, both the Spectrum projects I was working on. Also, Ali Retro Hunter for kindly sending me a NES Advantage joystick. And the Island Pirates, of course, James and Sarah for a lovely box of goodies. I'd like to say... A shout out to all the people that inf- attended the Williams Defender meet at the club at the beginning of February. I didn't get a chance to chat to some of you, so sorry about that, but it was a great meet and it, it was enjoyed by all. Mm. Uh, also, massive shout out to Bobby Idod, listener and proper friend, proper friend, who's been ill in hospital with some painful block pipes. He's also had um, bad sciatica before, that really playing up too, and I know how he feels there. Hopefully, Dino Rod can clear him out and get him back to normal soon. Get back soon, mate. Yep. I had to give a couple of last shout-outs. Mr. Martin Deadlock for his continued good work on the 10 pence episode PDF. Do you know, I, I look at that, I think, when did we review, like, Star Force? I just look at that and I find it a lot yeah, quicker than good. going for our notes. And finally, to Lewis at the arcade, whose father has sadly passed away unexpectedly about a week after my mum. So we're both sort of hugging each other a lot but yeah you know all the best to him he's, he's still got the a, a few things to go before the funeral because his father passed away in uh, overseas so right well so s- send him a big hug from me as well sorry to hear yes. that really sorry to hear that yeah all the best mate mm. arcade master quiz right Vic yes are you ready for this This is 10 questions, but you can get 20 points because there's two Ooh. two answers, correct answers to each question. It's like a question and a sub-question within the main question making two parts. I get it. Get this. on with it. All right. How many arcade games were there in Namco's final lap series? How many arcade games? Three. No. Ooh, Four. Damn it. One, one, two, three, and R. Oh, According to Wikipedia, what is this a direct sequel to? Final lap. Oh, um, pole position. Yep, that's one point. Ooh. Number two, War of the Bugs by Armenia in 1981 is heavily influenced by which game? War of the Bugs. Oh, is that the one with the big boxing glove? War of the Bugs. Oh, I know what it is. Is it Centipede Clone? Yep. Yeah, yes. I'm thinking of boxing bugs, aren't I? How do you control it? War of the Bugs, mm. joystick. Yep, and 
bottom. Yep. Damn, three. It was a rubbish um, bootleg, wasn't it? Yeah, you got three out of two. And another one of these questions is, is another one. The fantastically named Defender the ter- Defend the Terror Attack on the Red UFO is a kind of rip-off of which game? Galaxian. Yep. Oh, my word. And there's a mothership. This appears on wave one or wave two. Which wave? One. Yep, damn. I've played it before. You've got five out of three. Splatterhouse from Namco was released in which year? Ooh, 86? 88. According to MAME, this was the first game to get a parental advisory disclaimer, true or false? False. No, it's true. Oh, is it? Yeah, it's the first one. Oh, okay. Knights of Valor, released by IGS in 1999, is what kind of a game, Knights of Valor? It's a kind of um, golden axe. Hack yeah, and slash, put, left to right, jobby. I've put that like golden axe. Are you reading these? How many protagonists can you choose from at the start? Three. No, five. Oh, is it? Yeah, five. Okay. You've got six out of five, so he's doing all right. Number six. How many points for gobbling up the ghost in Junior Pac-Man? The first ghost, how many points? hundred. Two hundred. Oh, they changed that. What relationship is Junior Pac-Man to Pac-Man? He's a son. Yeah, that's a trick question. Right, according to MAME... What is the screen resolution of Taito's original Space Invaders? And I'll give you plus and minus 20 pixels each way. Ooh, 240 by 224? Yeah, 260 by 224, I'll give you yeah, that. Yeah, I do. Well, I've, not got, I've not got a second question to that. Damn, never mind. Make one up. What colour is the Space Invaders? What colour are the Space Invaders? They're white. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good at that. On a black and white monitor, I had two choices there, didn't I? Yeah, black or white. Yeah. Right, right. You've got nine out of eight. In 1990, American Laser Games re- released the first live action laser video game. What was it called? The first live action laser game. Was it Mad Dog McCree? Yes, God. What was the sequel called? It was called Mad Dog Two Summit. Oh. It were in Pixel Blast. We played it. I played it. Mad Dog Does Dallas. Nearly. Mad Dog 2, The the Lost Gold. Okay. Still doing all right. Number nine. What was unusual about the game, Granny and the Gators? It's half a pinball, half a video. Like, um, is it Junior? No, Baby Pac-Man. It's like Baby Pac-Man. Yeah. And... On the top screen, what was the thing that you controlled? A canoe. Yeah, wow, I didn't know that. I know someone has got this game and I've played it. That's why I know uh, this. Yeah. Right, last one. Ooh. Last one. Ooh. What was the side art? What was it on the 1983 Bally Midway game, Journey? It was like a head with stuff. the word Journey emanating out of it. What colour? Blue. It was all blue on the side. Yeah, I've got big blue bold-headed alien. In was, brackets, was it you? Cold. In brackets, very attractive. Oh, yeah. And controls, how did you control that? Joystick and buttons. Buttons or button? Uh, One button. 
Yeah, eight way or four way? Mm, four way because there's some levels in it. Where you need eight way, and it hasn't got eight. It's got four. It's got eight way according to Mame. <laughs> she got fourteen out of ten. That's not bad. It's not bad. Well done. Oh, I love a quiz, me. And now a word from our sponsor. So, bird's eye potato waffles, a woohoo! How versatile are you, Sean? Do you go with bacon, eggs on, or lamb chops, eh? Do you? All of them. I thought you might. Not so keen on lamb chops anymore. I used to like them. Oof, love them. Feature game review. Many moons ago was your pick. For some unknown reason. This is Super Trio by Game Ace 1994. Great company. Yeah. Horizontal platform collecting game. Not Mm. a lot is known about Game Ace from Korea. They only made one other arcade game according to Clob, and we can't find that either. It's a horizontal game powered by 68,000 CPU with a Z80 controlling the sound. It uses an eight-way joystick for one or two players with two buttons each, fire and jump. Nice. You play one of three characters, Jake the Mouse, Tommy the Cat, or Brutus the Dog. All three control and fire exactly the same. Pointless, really. Depends whether you're a rodent, cat, or a dog fan. Yeah, but you can change your graphics. That's a good good plus point, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's good, that. You jump and shoot your way around 12 scrolling levels, collecting items for bonus points, health, and weapon upgrades. The levels are all themed on natural places, gardens, indoors, sewers, etc., you don't actually need to collect anything, just get to the exit, which is shown you on screen via an arrow to show which way to go. The levels are also timed, but are short, so you should never have a problem with the time limit. You're attacked by various annoying creatures anthropomorphic... Let me try that, <laughs> let me try that again, that's a hard one. Anthropomorphic characters. These range from spiders, snacks, robot policemen, slinkies... It's Robocop. It's Robocop. And many, uh, it's a robot policeman. It's Robot Cop. It's Robot Policeman. It's Robot Cop. Slinkies and many other things from cheese-induced nightmares. When you get to the exit via a short level, you have to do battle with the th- the, that level's themed boss. You can, you can shoot bad guys that get in your way. Most of them take energy from your energy bar when hitting you, and some fire back at you. Falling more than about twice your own height takes energy off too, which is annoying. Stunned, you, you get stunned, don't you, when you land? Yeah, and you lose a bit of your health, and you sort of flap about for a bit. When you lose a life, nothing happens. Um, you just carry on with your next life. doesn't tell you you've lost a life. When you lose all your lives, you just disappear, and a few minutes later you get game over, which is just bad. It's just bad. <laughs> the items you can get, you get sweeties, which is plus one for your energy bar, ice cream sundaes, plus two energy bars, melon slices, which has not got anywhere near enough sugar as those other things. You get three energy bars. Healthy. Yeah, but ice cream sundaes would be more energy, surely. Maybe the melon's been injected with Red Bull. Yeah, yeah, could yeah be. it's kind of a red colour, isn't it? Yeah. Lightning is a power bomb. Kills all visible enemies on screen, like a smart bomb. Uh, winged shoes is obviously a speed up. Uh, P is power for your shot. It can be a cre- increased to four powers. You get back to a standard power if you lose a life. Uh, you get a potion bottle, which is a shield, and you're invincible for five seconds. A one-up star, obviously an extra life. Uh, a big P, which completely fills up your power for maximum firepower, so it gives you all four powers in one go. And if you get score, uh, you get a bonus every 50,000. 
Not sure if you get another life at 50,000. I didn't notice that. And no. didn't get that high in the game, actually. Right, I've done some level descriptions here because... Oh, cool. Because it deserves it, this game. Right, yeah. There's a, yeah, yeah, so there's a, a, film, a film strip introduces a big plant garden level with delightful music in this, enchanting in its simplicity, a, a, like a repetitive loop. A helpful disembodied <laughs> hand points the way to go, like up, left, right, middle. Level two is a kitchen. Robert Cop is here. Not sure what you can, what you can and can't jump on, but that just adds to the excitement. Yeah. Unfor- unfortunately, the music has changed, but it's thankfully just as delightful. There's pipes, <laughs> there's pipes to climb up, and you have to get your jump bob on just to catch onto the pipes. It's a challenge. It's a, it's challenge. a skill challenge, isn't it, Sean? It is. Or um, rubbish. Number three, level three, is a spooky sewer. Oh, it looks great. It looks great, and you don't even die when you fall into the water. Thought, well done, programmers. Collision detection is super strict, forcing you to up your game. Yeah, because and if now, one of the baddies looks at you the wrong way, you die. That's clever, isn't it? Yeah. That's clever, that. Never, level four is archery. It's like a mini game, inspired by hypersports, I think, but much, much better. Here you have to work out what to do to get maximum points. I think holding down the bot button longer before before you fire has some kind of effect, which is exciting. You've just or, got to work it out. Or if you hit it, it with a spade, that also yeah. helps? Or a hammer? Could be. Bathroom level is number five. Again, the music has changed, but don't worry, kids. It's even better than before. <laughs> There's some really nice towels on this level as well. Nice towel, like a nice towel, yeah. like a blue one. And that. The wasps and the bats, actually, in the game fly in a way that you can only shoot them in mid-jump. Well, you can't get them from the platforms, which leads to some awesome mid-air acrobatics. You've just got to really be good. There's a tiny bit of exploration in this level, but not too much. If you go to the far left at the start, you can find a one-up. Wow. Even this, It even gives you an extra life. But that would what, make the game longer, Sean, and that's not great. What more could you ask for? Level six, a seller, I think this is. The energy bar sure does come useful, come in useful in this level. Oh, yes, it does. Level seven, the office. Looks exactly like a real office from 1990, but with delightful animated toys roaming about. Here's a tip for you, for you budding explorers. You can jump on the bookcase. You can jump on a bookcase. Because you're not sure what you can and can't jump on, so there's a tip for you. You can definitely jump on a bookcase. Yep. Number eight, 100-metre dash bonus stage. Batter the jump and shoot buttons to beat the other guy, or it's game over. You actually the game actually ends. Talk about a challenge. How cool is that? But then you get more archery, and let's face it, you can never have enough archery in, in a platform game. Yeah, you can never have enough archery, can you? No. Number nine, back to the sewer in this level because it's so good in the in the first one. But now you've got more awesome new layouts to the previous one. So don't be thinking you can find your way out easily, kids. No, you can actually fall almost the full height of the map here, revealing again the hilarious stunned animation of your character. It's worth falling just to see how good he looks stunned. It's so good. There's some ladders that appear and they take you up. Well, they you think they're going to take you up to the top of the level, like you know on Mario. Yeah. On Super Mario Brothers, you, there's ladders, and you get to the top of the level, you run across the top of the level, and there's this warp zone at the end. Yeah. But 
it's not there. There's nothing. You just go to the top of it. Oh, talk about a tease. Yes. That's so, that is so clever, isn't it? Anyway, number 10, the living room. Brilliant 90s sound system is here, taking me back to the heady days of record players and cadet cassette decks. This game kind of crashed here as the scrolling messed up and I couldn't progress. I don't know really? Yeah, as the second player kept appearing, so you couldn't move off the screen, and that's that's what's stopping the scrolling. I, I'd like to think that this was a deliberate ploy from the programmers, you know, to stop you playing. So you had, to, <laughs> so you had to you had to go through it all again because it's so enjoyable up to that point. So I haven't seen past level ten, but I've I've had a look on YouTube. But who knows? Yeah, and and it's just what it's just wonder after wonder. It's just an incredible game. So you actually got to level ten playing it? No. Oh, thank God for that! I right. think I got, I got to three or something. Let me tell you about the bosses. Yes. The first one is a queen bee thing, an angry bee woman monstrosity. She is. Bee soldiers fly around her while she flaps around the screen. Use the platforms to pick up the soldiers and keep pummeling her until she jogs on out of there. Number two is the Pigman Chef. You're in a kitchen, somehow with a train running through it. Mm-hmm. Mm. Avoid the train on the ground. Also, when the pig chef jumps, a bunch of chef items, cutlery, food, etc., are thrown out which hurt you. Avoid all that and keep hitting him with your firepower. Nice. Number three, impossibly annoying gang of bats. That's a, it's a gang of bats, isn't it? A, a gaggle. Or a bumhole of bats. A gaggle of, One of bats. Those. They attack you in a pattern in the sewer arches. Number four... Looks like you're in a bathroom. A demented walrus in scuba gear runs back and forth firing a harpoon gun at you, which magically spits into three harpoons. Use the handy platform to shoot right in face and jump over him as he charges around. Five, and I put this in capital letters, SPIDERS. You knew they were coming. These sprites look like they were stolen directly from Rainbow Islands and made to look much crappier. There are loads of small spiders moving up and down vertical objects with the big boss doing the same. Keep shooting until the big boss absorbs enough to die and take his idiot spider mates with him. Take out the small spider on the right-hand side, then you can stand on the highest right-hand platform and just pummel them from there. Hardly any challenge. You don't have to move. Just keep shooting. Yeah, all right. Uh, number six, the king playing card. <laughs> Smaller cards bounce out of his sides, rather like when you win on Windows 3-1 Patience. Yeah, I remember that. He also fires some fiery stuff to the left and right as he jumps only up and down the levels. Easy. Seven, centipede, wiggling around a walled level. Hit in the chops with a bunch of times and he fires three oranges at you for some reason. Number eight, angry panda throwing his lunch at you from a cool box. No, really, this is what he does. A panda delves into a cool box and throws bowls of noodles at you while a nonsense boxing glove roams around a front room setting, complete with sofa and a weird frame picture of a bearded man. Is that you? That makes perfect sense. That's why you that like level. the game, because you're in it. Makes perfect sense. The panda doesn't even move around. Boring. Oh. Uh, number nine, homoerotic bondage bulldog. Right. Honestly, a sunglasses-wearing idiot bulldog jumps around firing a machine gun, which only seems to fire one bullet at a time. And a tiny dog friend of his bounces around on a pogo stick. This looked like the easiest and quickest boss to remove. As he jumps over, you get behind him and kill him off. He doesn't even turn around. He just keeps firing in the same direction. Jeez. Level ten. Uh, super cute dragons in a cave. A large flying dragon flapping about the level with a much smaller one walking along the bottom, breathing fire after puffing out its chest. From what I watch, it looks like you have to take up the smaller dragon first, then blast the larger, much cuter dragon in a sleepy hat. 
Uh, 11. Pretty standard jungle scene. Large hairy primate stomping around the tree platforms. He just tries to stomp on your head. Doesn't fire at all, although an annoying chimp comes in from time to time and hurls poo at you. (laughs) Uh, Last level, 12. Uh, Supposedly creepy magician type. Character ripped straight from the penguin from the second Tim Burton film. Batman Mm -hmm. film. He opens his cape to let out a gang of annoying bats and a small witch flies above him causing trouble. The Pengo character doesn't even move around at all. This looks incredibly easy. Took eight seconds on the video I watched to beat this boss. Pathetic final boss. You then get the end on the screen. Then a small cutscene in a cinema with all three game characters, Rat, Moggy and Pooch, watching a badly animated cinema screen with the game creators scrolling away. I can't believe they put their name to this game. I would not put my name. clever touch, that. Between some of the levels, as you said, you get a completely out-of-keeping bonus stage, which is a 100-metre dash and an archery level, lifted straight from track and field and hypersports. And I really sincerely hope Konami sued him for that. This is where most listeners play and encountered the reset game bug. I think Konami cursed the game. Mm. So there is, when you play this game, if you get to, what well, I think the first bonus stage a lot of our listeners were saying, the game just crashes and restarts. Mm, I think it's the second one, isn't it? The, the track and field thing. God. So tips and secrets, inch your way through the levels as you get hit a lot by running into something off screen as it enters the screen. Enemies mm. can even throw projectiles at you from the off screen, which is bad, bad bean, it really is. Mm. Try not to fall off platforms either. Some background graphics can be climbed, like ladders and pipes, but they're really fiddly to get right and not that obvious. Yeah. Graphics and sound, what we think is some graphics have been directly ripped from an Amiga game called Gods. Really? think that's the one yet the oh, players no. the players graphics have been actually reskinned jerry sprites from tom and jerry on the nez <gasps> really which is what someone on youtube thinks i think the nice colorful graphics to be fair it's what attracted me to the game in the first place and the sound i know it's just it's bonkers and it? it's just a three second loop just it's going so on bad. About. it is it's so like a... so bad I that, reckon... that's the most apart from all the game breaking mechanics which ruin the game the sound is the most annoying thing at the whole game. I turn all the sound off on most games anyway. Yeah, you're so. weird. Yeah. <laughs> uh, from Clov, uh, the game was made in Korea. Uh, I think Clov even says the music can get on your nerves after a while. This is what they said on the Video Games Museum. Mm. Uh, and we're pretty sure most of the in effects are stolen from other games. And as you said, a three-second loop, not a five-second loop, it's the height of annoyance in musical terms. And this can end in arcade brain ache, apparently. Oh. I, I reckon it looks like a bad SNES game. It, a lot of cutesy random characters, the googly faces. I saw Robot Cop in there for some reason too. Not sure why. A lot of the baddies are also used in boss levels. This is lazy and cheap. If I were a betting man, I'd say this game is written on a development system for 16-bit consoles and Game Ace decided it would do better in the arcade, in the Korean arcades. What uh, Lewis thinks... Um... It could be that they, they may have been trying for like a Tom and Jerry license or something and, and failed to get it. So they've kind of tried, sort of reskinned it a little bit and made a different game out of it. But still terrible. Yes. Yeah. yeah I, I quite like the cutesy graphics, but they are so generic from the time. I particularly <clears> like the goofy expressions on the bosses and their dying animations. They're quite fun. The boss fights don't seem too much of a challenge. You only get about 500 points. From your leftover timer, which is another pointless addition. Because you know normally the, the counter counts down and you get like 100 points for every second or whatever. The counter mm. counts down in about two seconds flat and you get like 500 points. 
and you get a thousand for killing Robocop. So what's the point of a of a bonus in the level? There's no point to it at all. I think the bat one I found really hard. The, the YouTube video I watched, the guy must have played the boss levels to death because he killed him really quick. Yeah, same here. I think you've got to learn how to do that, and that'll take a lot of time if you didn't have your save states and that. Yeah. Uh, no cabin art I could find, not because the game wasn't released either, because this game certainly was released. I found a PCB on eBay for $70. No one's buying it. Ooh. I think it might be worthwhile buying it to smash with a hammer. I'd love it's to lot, do that. A lot of money, $70. Yeah, but it'd be worth it for the, just to smash it. The postage as well. Yeah, I, I might buy it. I'm definitely going to buy it. Just pay $70, get the guy to smash it and send you a video. No, no, I, w- I want to do it myself. <laughs> Trivia. Trivs, Trevs, Trivs. The game crashes and resets in certain places at random times. This is an absolute no-no in an arcade game. Now, we've always had uh, bugs in arcade machines, games, but I've never come across one that can be triggered so easily and kills the game completely. Surely this game would have been pulled from the arcades and sent back to the dealer back in the day. You know, if you were playing a game and you said, hey, Mr. Arcade Operator, this game keeps crashing, and you kept having people, they just sent it back, think it was broken. But back then it wouldn't be, it was just poor programming. I could imagine this to happen on an actual arcade PCB if it had a fault, but this happens in emulation. So it shouldn't. It's actually the program that's doing it. So, so poor. <laughs> now, the PC version has it actually ported to DOS PC. It has got a whole backstory about Dracula doing something bodacious, dude. And that is the last boss in the game. I think it was just made up for the PC version. The arcade bosses are all very standard boss tropes. And Dracula just happened to be the last one that Game Ace could steal the IP from. Mm-hmm. There are actually three buttons on the game, but button three isn't used. I wonder if that's just a standard Jammer thing, because Jammer was three three buttons. Now, people okay. have bothered to send scores, and I don't know how they did it. Uh, and the first one is... Oh, hello. Graham Tenshiras. Zero points. Nil point. What the hell was you thinking picking this game? <laughs> this is the first one. Just fired up my jammer cab and tried out the game. I wish I bloody hadn't. Just give us a point for at least giving it a go. <laughs> Steve Tyke. I know. 12,500. One game, tapping my feet, thinking, what am I supposed to do here? A gem of a game. Cubic Zirconia. That is a false gem. It's plastic. Oh, all right. Madsteed.com. 14,600. One go. Got 14,600. Not going to bother again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've picked a good one here, haven't I? Yeah. JPink, 15,500. Sorry, I really hate this one. One go was enough. Oh, well, you can't like them all. Next. Uh, exploding <laughs> Pillman, 17,600. Well, Peter Packrat, you have some competition. Uh-oh. And famously, Peter Packrat was the worst game we've ever played on the podcast. Alan Delta Lima, 17,800. He hasn't even said anything. He's just gone, <laughs> like, hmm. <laughs> Lewis, Lewis Gamer, 20,700. I got 20,700 on this abysmal game. <laughs> it's the dictionary definition of bland. Horrible stage design. Why can I walk past certain objects and not others? And the main protagonists are pure evil, like a budget Amiga game that somehow found its way into an arcade cabinet. Oh. Are we going to get any good reviews? I don't think we are. Uh, Paul McCaskey, 20,900. I saw someone say this looks like an Amiga game. Although it's not that bad, it just seems a bit dull. I certainly won't be featuring repetitive music on my show anytime soon because he does an awesome podcast about arcade music. Not that bad. That's as good as we're getting at the minute. I think so. Fuller, 
22300. Although I like the mini Robocop, 10 minutes was enough. Don't let him pick for a month as punishment. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Messi just got 23,300. No comments. The, a lot of these are from Sidekick. Yeah. Matthew Bridge, 24,000. Cradster, 27,400. Kitty Ping. Ah, whoa. You know, I said I'm not sure if Kitty Ping is a man or a woman. Yeah. It could be Kit Typing. Oh, yeah. It could be someone called Kit Typing. And they've got kitten. 20. 28,500 they got. Or a kitten. Can kittens play games? They've got, they got like, Meow. paws. Meow. Paws. It could play Mr. Driller. That's one of them's one button, isn't it? Of course it can. Yeah. Pilbo, 28,500. Uh, Pearl, 29,900 for Pearl. This game's soft-locked here, and I honestly really did not mind. <laughs> Swiss List, 30,100. GJ Harris, Gary James, 33,800. Bloody horrible game. Clunky, bad repeats of self music. That bloody Ollie wants a trio of punches after his selection. Next time I see him, I'm going to shave his hair off in his noggin. And, and oh, oh, hang on. He hasn't got any hair on his noggin. He's not ah. happy with you, son. Oops. Ross Ross, 35,800. Poor platformer that fails on the very things that platformers are defined by. Challenger for Peter Patrat. <laughs> also, why am I boomeranging cute wee animals with googly eyes? Uh, Pixel Advocate Podcasts at 37,100. I, I got. I'm sort of below Swiss list. I got 30,000. Right. But I do not care. Uh, Pixel Advocate Podcast, 37,100. I feel this game wants to be a 90s home cons- console, not an arcade cam. Platform games at this haven't aged well for me, but I didn't, I didn't hate this one. More than three seconds for initials entry would be nice. That's also a bit of a crappy thing. You can only, you got to put your name in really quickly. Yeah. <laughs> Mark, what no gravy, 39,000. A game so bad it doesn't even give you the time to enter your initials. No redeeming features. Ooh, twist the knife. Troll ads, 40,600. One go is enough for me. An awful game. Given Peter Pat Rat and Redacted a run for their money. Kangapoo. Don't you dare say that. Sol, 44,000. You don't get much time to enter your name. Therefore, tonight, Matthew, I am Sue. It's <laughs> <laughs> one of the Sue. standard names. Couldn't get, couldn't get the L in time. Old Man Steve, 44,000. Mickey's thieving, dirty rat cousin breaks into a big mansion after trying to kill all life in the garden, then starts breaking the place up and stuff. Luckily, everyone is surrounded by an invisible cloak of death, killing the dirty, thriving rat. Good. Drumsy creator of sidekick 44100 super trio described to me as like new zealand story but nothing like it poor that's me poor collision detection hard to jump on ladders annoying bats did my best but that's it for me the six second sound loop gets doesn't get annoying either game also resets after the hurdle bonus stage uh, zistora 47500 Deadlock, 48-2. what an atrocious game didn't even have time to put my name in properly uh, you got 49,900, and I'm going to add to this, shame on you. Yeah. Shame, sir. Shame Sorry. on you. Sorry, kids. One Punch Rob, 55,000. What is this, an Amiga game? Everything about it is dog dirt. Poor collision. <laughs> no sense of what parts you can stand on or hit your head on. Black bats in the black cave. Just just all around bobbins. Nor out of 10 will not play again. Uh, DNO, 62,500. Stuart Time Warp 63.7. Not convinced I'll be having another go of this one, but I'll upload this while I remember. Ed Horse, 67,500. Buttons. Is he from Pantomime? I think so. Is he? Is it Cinderella? Yeah. Did he have a blue suit and that? Yeah. Okay, 68,000. El Meepo, 79,300. 
Brian Haribo, 81900. It didn't reset after the 100 metres this time. Oh, God. It doesn't even do it every time either. Charlie Farr, way down the list. 82,900. Super Trio, continue? No, thanks. Salbug. He, he likes crap games, doesn't he? He does. 86,500. Even he's put. Not sure about this one. The repetitive, annoying music on the first level is enough to scare anyone. But if you give it a chance, it's actually not that bad. Good it, mm. Sal. Especially once you get past the first two or three levels. The blatant copying of track and field minigames is forgivable, but trying to climb ladders pipes is ridiculously difficult and incredibly irritating. I think if they took the time to fix a few things, this would actually be a decent game. But for now, it's not worthy of my favourite lists. Ooh, doesn't even go on Sal's worthy list. Ooh. Ooh, damn. Ooh, knife it. Mark Happy Dude, 86,600. Neil, 20 to 5, 92, 300. Seriously, though, I can't honestly be the only one loving this, can I? Sean Holly, you, sir, are a blooming genius. Ah, the track and field bonus sections are a nice touch. While I admit it has some features, I'm still digging it. Nice one, mate. Yeah, all I'm th- all I'm seeing and hearing there is irony. Yeah. <laughs> Rygar, 94,700 points. Croco. 124, 300. Never seemed to get on the high score screen. It made it to the stage nine boss, God, with the dog of the machine gun. Then it crashed on the hurdles. What oh. a game. <laughs> you know, if, if you were if you were going to play this game, right, as bad as it may seem, and you want to try and do it, and you get to level nine, and then it crashes, what a crushing blow that would be. Wouldn't be good. You're never going to get that time back, ever. So what I say is mm. don't play it. Mm. Matt Neo MK in second position with 129,700 points. Get past the game resets, the freezes, the god awful music, the poor collision detection, the scrolling, going invisible, fin bats, little time to enter a score, and you have a stellar game. Ah, uh, no. Survive till the forest level. And in first place is Ian Cullen with 142,600. I stand possibly alone with Neil 1637 on this one. I'm actually quite enjoying it. Game of the year so far for me. Pity about the game breaking bugs that throw you back to the title screen halfway through the game, though. Well, all I can say to that is Ian, 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 are you listening? Get out. Get out. Even though he won the challenge, he can still get out. Out. Well. As I said, as I said earlier. Uh, for some unknown reason, this featured on DOS computers. Even the PC version has got breaking game-breaking bugs in it. This is from oldgames.com. Super Trio usually is a fairly enjoyable little platformer. That means unless you encounter one of the numerous bugs. The worst one causes some sprites not to be loaded properly, which makes them effectively invisible. This can turn out very bad if the sprite is in question a boss. You can still beat them thanks to your unlimited credits, but as soon as you lost your first extra life and thus weakened, it'll take forever. Not enough. Once the bug has been triggered during a session, it's very likely to repeat itself often. So more times for it's better to just start from the beginning. The collision detection is always somewhat odd. Even the big bosses are made on of by a single rectangular shape for hit detection, and even the enemy's dying animation will hurt you. So even the oh. DOS version was terrible. Mm, so we had a thing last time, annoy or enjoy. With its blatant rip-offs, the lives thing, not knowing when you've lost one, and loads of other lazy elements, is definitely, for me, annoy. And I'm calling this now, Sean. This is, in capital letters, and in bold, underlined, in blood, the worst game we've ever covered. 
Worse than Peter Pack Rat. At least PPR didn't crash in you halfway through a game. Now, I am off for a lie down in a minute after all that hatred. <laughs> the sound yeah. is a particular annoyance. It really does make or break a game sometimes, and this is one, as well as lots of other things, breaks it. Mm, I'm going to enjoy this. More you lying get More of these types of games, please. It's just so incredibly great. No, it's rubbish. Sorry, kids. Absolute Absolutely terrible, wasn't it? Pile of pants. It was, it was a lesson in how not to program. Yeah. Okay. It, it kind of reminded me, as some people sort of alluded to it earlier, it's one of those kind of games that if you were doing your shopping up the Asda's, in like 1996, you would have seen this game for a PS1, like a budget 399 game on the on the side of the checkout to buy the kids because it's one of those shovelware games. Just absolutely flipping dreadful, absolutely <laughs> dreadful. It's so bad. It is not great. Oh man, man it alive! Seems- it's so bad. Seems to me like a failed. They had tried to do a license or something. Or something failed, and then they, they, so they had a bit of a bit of a game, so they cobbled something together and released it. Yeah, but I don't think this would have got a release anywhere else outside of Korea. Because, mm, you know, any other sort of large arcade public, when they hit those game-breaking bugs, because it would have been good for kids. You know, kids like the colourful graphics and the animals and stuff. But as mm. soon as it started crashing, they go to the arcade operator, I want, I want my quarter back, or I want my 10p back. The game's just crashed again. Mm. And the, the arcade operators wouldn't have, they just send the thing back thinking it was faulty. Yeah, you know, possibly. So they buy it from new in a box or whatever, with all the kit, and they just send it back. And it, you know, it would never come back because it was broken to start with. Truly awful. Next show's game. It's, it's my pick for the next one. And I'm going to do two games, because they're simple games, again. And it is going to be Galaxy Wars and Balloon Bomber. Very simple old games. From Universal and Taito, the ROM is... Right, Galaxy Wars is G-A-L-X Wars. Yeah. Balloon Bomber is Ball, B-A-L-L, Bomb, B-O-M-B. Okay. Lives of three, no difficulty settings, extra lives at 3,000 points. Yes. And you can submit your score on Twitter with 10p score, hashtag 10p score. Facebook as a comment or on a podcast post. On Arcade Sidekick app in the 10p club section or email the site. Right, I have got an announcement to make. Following some very traumatic times that's happened recently, I've realised life is short and this podcast takes up a lot of my time. Yes. Like... The scores, the feedback, the research, all of the social media, the whole lot takes up a lot of my time. So what I'm going to do for now, I'm going to step back from doing it. I'm going to have a chill out. I'm going to, I might do one of my own product pro- projects. I might do nothing at all, but I feel like I need some time out just completely off the grid. And so we don't want this podcast to end, do we, Vic? No. And, and I think you totally deserve it, mate. Absolutely. Mm. You've done stellar in the past few years doing this thing, given a lot of your time, a lot of effort. Everyone's totally appreciative of it. And I don't blame you, actually. And we're going to ask if someone wants to do the podcast with me and continue doing it. If we don't get anyone, it'll be on halt for a while. 
Simple as that. Mm. And if you want to come back as a guest, any time. And if you want to come back permanently, any time. It's up to you. Absolutely, totally happy. I'm, I'm not happy. I'm unhappy you're stopping for a while, but totally happy yeah. why you're doing it. Absolutely spot on. You do need to take some time for yourself. Yeah, it's like works full on 100%, and then then they have so, uh, a bit of downtime, and I'm spending most of it doing the podcast. Yeah. And I'm f- I feel like I just need to relax at the minute. It, obviously, it's very influenced of what's you know currently happening. Of course with it is. It's going to affect you, isn't it? Yeah, so in a few months, I might like bounce back and want to get want to dig back into it. But I'm I definitely so. taking some uh, at least a few months, I would say, to be honest, and maybe more. Yeah. But maybe maybe never. But it's just how I feel at the moment. You know, it's just some some relaxing, chilled. You know, there's no deadline. You know, you've got to do the podcast. There's no deadline. You can just just relax. Yeah. You Absolutely. Know? But I really have enjoyed it. It's been absolutely awesome with you, Vic. It's been brilliant. Thank you. So what we need is someone daft, <laughs> preferably with a beard, yeah. um, to help me with a podcast. So if you'd like to help out with the podcast and, and feature on it with me, give us a shout on the usual means. You know, you know how to get hold of me. And hopefully we'll have someone for the next podcast. And we're not sure when the next podcast is going to be until then, do we? Mate, you could play these games into. I'll still be playing the games, maybe, and put a score in. I'm not sure yet. I'll ignore those. Okay, thank you. <laughs> yeah, so if you'd like to help out with the podcast and be a, a guest or a permanent fixture, give me a shout. And that's all we can say for now. I uh, hope you enjoy the games, and I will be keeping in contact with Sean, of course, and hopefully we're hearing back from him soon. And on that note, from me, thank you, Sean, and thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Thank you very much, kids. See you soon. Goodbye. You can download or play the podcast, read all the show notes, and leave feedback at www.10pencearcade.co.uk. You can email me at vertvic at 10pencearcade.co.uk. You can also reach us on our Facebook page. You can tweet me at 10pencearcade, and you can tweet Sean at Sean Holly. We'd love to hear from you. For game suggestions, arcade pickups and stories, or any of your personal thoughts on anything we may have covered. 